This is Unfilter, episode 230 for March 22nd, 2017. Breaking news, we pardon the interruption. Here's Devin Nunes. Uh, just in order to keep you all fully updated on what's happening uh, with this investigation, uh, today I briefed the president on the concerns that I had about incidental collection and how it uh, relates to uh, President-elect Trump and uh, his transition team and the concerns that I have. As I said earlier, uh, there'll be more information. Uh, hopefully by Friday, the NSA is cooperating uh, very, very well. And, and lastly, I'll say that uh, the reports that I was able to see uh, did not have uh, anything to do with Russia or the Russian investigation or any tie to the Trump team. Uh, and with that, I, I'll, I'll love to take a couple questions if you have them. Chris, you must have known my day today and really the week in general surrounding our opening clip. Mr. Devin Nunes, I cannot wait to share my thoughts. It's been a week and today in particular. I cannot (laughs) wait to share my thoughts. (laughs) Welcome to Unfilter, everybody. Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the person you shouldn't be tweeting. My name is Chase and joining me is Mr. Chris. Yeah, Chase has a up close and personal experience with the stories this oh, week. <laughs> I, I, I'm personally touched. Also, <laughs> yeah, touched is one way to put yes. it. Also, we're going to, of course, start off with cyber yeah, stuff. Yeah, we got the cyber to get into, Mr. Chase. We got the tap in. We got all. We got I, the results, by the way, of our first ever unfiltered votes. That's awesome. I'm looking yes. forward to getting to that. We yes. also have uh, some clips from some recent hearings that are super important to a lot of the topics. I haven't seen a lot of mainstream media play these, and so we're going to give you some... Uh, you'll probably hear some stuff in this episode that you haven't heard played anywhere else. But, nice. like you said, we do like to cyber. We do, ASO. And um, I'm a little concerned. Oh? Well, Chase, you oh. know, I'm a long-time cyber. Yeah. Been doing it for you've a long time. You've been doing since Prodigy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we always start the show with a little cyber. We do. We exchange picks. And uh, I'm I'm worried that we're pretty much doomed. <laughs> that we are pretty much doomed when it comes to this. So this, Shut it down. Ladies and gentlemen, over. I bring you a couple of examples of how we're all doomed. First of all is the federal government's response to a new cyber threat. Ah. Breaking news right now. Large electronic devices being banned from some international flights coming to the U.S. from parts of the Middle East and Africa. Aviation officials are citing, quote, a security concern. Let's see what that's about. CNN's Barbara Starr is live at the Pentagon with all of the breaking details. What have you learned, Barbara? So here's what I was when I before I watched this clip. I, my first thought was, please don't mention the uh, toner cartridge bomb. Please don't mention battery bombs. Yeah. Please don't mention laptop battery Shoes. bombs. These are scare tactics you've used before. They never really resonate. The bombs that we've av- actually ever stopped, the only reason we know about some of these bombs is because they were the most childlike possible pot like they were like ridiculously simplistic and yeah. stupid and never worked yeah. there was one bomb that went off on an airplane only the terrorist was killed the pilot somehow managed to successfully land the plane i mean these are not credible threats but when it comes to air travel the federal government in particular the executive branch seems to be able to tweak that knob in a way they can't tweak other aspects of the american economy they seem to have and i i actually like two years ago did some reading on this and it, it escapes me now but they seem to have more leverage over this particular aspect of our security than other types especially when it comes to travel from other countries and this yeah so when they say they have credible threats what they dance around the issue is it basically sounds like 
they have the same threats they've had all along. Right, yeah. And I don't know. Nothing's maybe, different. Maybe they are credible. Maybe they are. But right, it seems yeah. like nothing's really changed, but yet all of a sudden, can't bring your laptop on there now. Right. No, well, it's not just laptop. It's tablet. It's video games. It's anything, anything bigger. Anything to than... keep you sane or get any work done while you're <laughs> right, traveling. Right, exactly. Yeah. Good morning, Allison. As you say, these are direct flights from some countries, some airlines from the Middle East and Africa directly into the United States, banning electronic devices in the cabin, anything larger than your cell phone. If you have a laptop, if you have a tablet, it's got to go now inside your checked luggage. Let's put up a list of the countries and airlines impacted by this ruling by the United States government. Uh, it will go into effect in the coming hours. They were- yeah, they, they, gave the, they gave the airlines 96 hours to comply. Now, the UK's already done this as well. Yeah, they, I was going to say know, that. They're sharing, they're sharing intel. We're yeah. given 96 hours to comply with it. Why is this happening? As you look at the list, it is because there is concern in these places about the screening procedures and the vulnerability that a terrorist could See, get an explosive my, device. My biggest problem with this whole ban is they. Uh, you just heard Barb, she said 96 hours to implement, right? If this was such a high security problem yeah. and such an issue, <laughs> stop it now. Now, now, now. No, 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 yeah. It's, and, and, it's some uh, theater. It's not even funny. I, 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 so I dug around trying to find clips that explain, like, why does, if this is such an imminent threat, yeah. if this is based on real data, why are we not? Let's uh, give everybody it? five days head, head start. Uh, the, the interviewee that was asked about that, uh, who was an unnamed government official, uh, said that uh, because they have they have a credible threat model, but they don't have any substantiated current threats. Like this is going to be like this is a technique that's being passed around, and they tried to tie it to Al Qaeda in Yemen. Uh, of course, which goes back to our recent activity in Yemen. This sounds like, in fact, Barbara might even in this report. They are not saying there's a specific plot, but suspect number one likely Al Qaeda in Yemen. This is a group that is. It's almost like we go backfill the narrative of why all of a sudden we're doing an unsanctioned war against the people right, in Yemen. Yeah. Already demonstrated its ability to get devices on board planes. The underwear bomber in, on Christmas Day 2009. The underwear bomber is highly suspicious. You should look into that if you want to. I mean, the problem is they use so they report once that some of these bombers were assisted by the CIA or put on an airplane by CIA in the case of the underwear bomber. They report that once. And then from then yeah. on, they never report the fact that these were assisted by government officials. Like we watched these guys yeah. from the beginning of creating yeah. the bomb all the way to getting on the plane or trying to get on the plane. It was never a threat. No. But yet now it's cited for four years as some huge threat. Right. The printer cartridge plot. That- oh, my same exact thing. Same thing with the printer cartridge plot. Was foiled. Al Qaeda in Yemen is a big concern about trying to attack aircraft coming into the United States. Yeah, so screw you and your laptop. Screw you and your laptop on the airplane. Yeah. But uh, that's that's what. So why do I say we're doomed? Because this is how we address cybersecurity now. But then then there's the commercialization of cybersecurity. There is a whole bunch of funding coming down the pipe. Let's talk about that for a second and why I think it's going to do us no good. Now, U.S. President Donald Trump's budget outline due for release on Thursday will propose a significant increase in funding for federal cybersecurity. Trump's assistant on Homeland Security and Counterterrorism, Tom Bossert, said on Wednesday that the United States lacks a cyber deterrence policy and modernizing the system is absolutely critical. That's such bullshit. 
modernizing the system. So it, it works on the premise that the solution to solving cyber threats is by modernizing and creating new re- new responses. That would be probably 10% of the solution. Correct. Right? The, yeah. real, the real problem is, is, first of all, don't have the shit connected to the internet. That's the real, that's, that really solves the problem. Yeah, if it doesn't need to be, don't. Uh, the other issue is, though, and I really firmly, firmly believe this, is our federal government is no longer structured in a way where it can actually properly execute on this problem. So problem number one is they don't know how to spend money because the people that are in charge of the money have no fucking idea what they're doing. They've never used computers. They've never worked in the IT field. And then the people they hire to work with them completely snow job them constantly. They have companies you have. Okay, let's just pick one company. You could go with CrowdStrike. You, you, there are literally hundreds of these cyber vultures now that circle looking for cyber funding to solve all of your cyber problems. And they're going to have your cyber solution. Yeah. You just buy our package and everything solved. Cyber threats go away. And I could pick on CrowdStrike because they're my favorite, but let's pick on IBM because they're hucking and shucking hard and they've made they've made the ultimate salvation. You mean Watson is is doing something for us? This here? is this is Finally. this is IBM's security operations center where you can use the technologies of IBM to protect your cyber oh, infrastructure. And to God. demonstrate this, yeah. IBM takes you inside their IBM security operations center in a 360 degree video. This is the future, Chris. So watch this. Because this is who will be grabbing up all of this new federal cyber funding. So first you got to have a little dramatic music. Hey, this is Pam. You didn't click on that email, did you? Oh, God. Oh, good. So now we start looking around. That? that was another person from HR. They're getting a lot of spam. We have two machines beaconing on the side. Uh-oh. Wait, wait, we just got three more. Isn't this what we talked about in today's threat briefing? All right, we're going to run a scan on it right now. So as soon as that guy walks in the room, this is this is the guy that's re- leading this group in this cyber operations center. I don't know if you saw, but he just flipped a switch and yeah. all of their uh, windows just tinted out. Yeah. All of their windows automatically tinted. So you have all these people sitting in front of uh, Mac screens. Isn't that funny? Look, at they're all Apple Macs. Wow. A lot of iMacs there. Yeah. All these guys sitting in front of iMacs. And then they're going to bust. They're going to they're going to track this cyber threat in real time. This, by the way, they're not doing this because it's fun for them to make YouTube 360 vlogs. No, no, no. They're doing this to show really the security and the threats here. Now, listen to the dialogue to really make they really want to impress you. Okay. Oh, good. I'm listening. I'm glad you're here. Give me two minutes to catch up and then I'll brief you. Uh, Allison, what have you got? Uh, We found the beaconing endpoints. Oh, uh, okay. We talked about that this morning. So go ahead and block that one IP address, but only that one, not the entire Class C range. And then make sure you test it a little bit, okay? It's like this is written by people that know these terms, but then they had to sex it up. Uh, Threat. I need you guys to SSH into that box on the DMZ. Once you're on there, look for any other remote connections. Isn't that great? And also, the way he click snaps his fingers is total like I'm in charge of the situation mode. Uh, threat. That clack right there. Threat. <laughs> yeah. I need you guys to SSH into that box on the DMZ. Once you're on there, look for any other remote connections. We need those source IPs. Record them and then make sure you boot them off, update the IP tables, and then let us know. But that's not enough. That Quickly, the situation gets much more intense and they have to block the entire Class C. By updating the ticket and get that over to Allison, okay? So he's going to update the ticket. All Allison, right, who's it. standing right here. This is Allison right Allison, here. Allison, they may have more updates for you, so keep a lookout for that. Uh, oh, wait, Allison, wait, just... wait. Was she 
not just hearing that whole conversation? I know, dude. And then he immediately tells Allison, I just updated the ticket. Update the ticket, more IPs. Okay, great, thanks. Wait, so you have more IPs on that? Yeah. Oh, I'll get you the list as soon as I have it all together. All right, well then, why don't we just do this? Why don't you go ahead and block that entire class? But you just right? told me but- not to, you <laughs> dick! <laughs> this is what the... We are so screwed. Oh. We are so doomed because it's gonna... This is this is the kind of funding we're gonna get. This is real Star Trek right here, buddy. Right here. I know, I know. So you, they'll, sell you, they'll sell you a room full of Macs with yeah. projector screens yeah. where people that don't have any fucking idea what an IP address is are setting up tickets to make... Manage the the cyber situation. You know, you know what's sad about that it, whole video? It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. That was th- those weren't actually workers. Those were all actors. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're they're obviously somebody that knows what a subnet is, had an SSH and a DMZ is, yeah, had to yeah. write some of the yeah. Heather, but, and once you SSH in there, going to the DMZ. But they, but what gets me about it, and what gets me really fired up about it, yeah. is. This is what they believe their target demographic they're selling to needs to hear. So the people that are making making purchasing decisions, they're so uninformed that they see slick shit like but, this. But here's the problem with this, though. Don't you think the some the person that's in charge of the money will go and say, "Hey, hey, Chris, can you tell me if this shit is bullshit or not?" You, you know, you never got fired for buying IBM. You never get fired for buying IBM. You go all in. Look, we bought this huge IBM cyber solution. IBM, yeah. IBM, it's IBM. I still got my eighty eighty eight later. Test it really well because we don't want to block anybody from the inside. And you have your range right there from those top sources. Use that bottom range as the marker. Yeah. And then we'll go from there. All right. It's just it it is the longest two minutes and fifty two seconds of it. It's so Eject. cringy. It's so cringy. <laughs> Let's move on because dude, I just got I'm cringing right now. And I uh. uh you know another aspect of cybersecurity that doesn't get talked about enough is physical security. Oh yeah. Disconnect that device from the internet. Yes. Cybersecurity is only as good as your physical security. If you get physical access to something, you're screwed. Yep. Breaking tonight, secret security plans for Trump Tower stolen. A Secret Service laptop was stolen out of an agent's car. And on that laptop, the evacuation protocol for Trump Tower and Trump Tower floor plans. And then two senior law enforcement officials are now telling us that laptop cannot be erased or even traced remotely. I call bull. I call Major Bull, and I know you're going to have some bacon on I this. I do, dude. I got bacon frying right now. You go ahead. I'll wait to serve it. I, I'll, I'll just keep it frying over here. It, this is Bull in a number of ways. First off, if it was a Secret Service laptop that was stolen, we wouldn't know what's on it, okay? They would not tell us a thing. That's exactly... Preach it. Keep going, buddy. Okay. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Secondly, yeah. uh, my company, at least BitLocker's laptops, yeah. I know they're going to have something yeah. even more yeah. thorough yeah. than that. That's and pretty shocking. And this setback for the shocking. Secret Service comes as the House Oversight Committee Chairman oh, Jason So Chaffin. I think they have a list here. Now, before you go any further, they have a list of all of the, well, somewhere in here they have a list of all of the stuff on the laptop. Because you're right. They they literally put up a bullet point list on the screen of everything on the laptop. And if it is a Mac, which they just showed some shots of a Mac, if it was a Mac, then it could definitely be locked down. Find my Mac. You could find it. No big deal. So you know what my bacon is? What's your bacon? Do you remember last week when I said, I feel like... Like an intelligence agency or somebody is trying to freak Trump out. And oh, yeah. And well, we talked about the person outside the White House for yeah, 17 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And now, next the next week, now we have a story. That so, so it's connected. Could it be. could be. It could be somebody. Because you know what else? You know what else was revealed? What? That uh, the somebody in the Secret Service who got in trouble, and I don't know if it's in this clip. It might be. I'll play it. Uh, has been taking pictures of Trump's grandson while he was sleeping. That's not creepy. 
super creepy. I know. And I wonder if they're using that as, hey, we can get to your family. I mean, it's all, all that's my bacon. Wow. I'm just, it's two weeks in a row now. It's, it's good. It's good Marble Mount bacon. It really is. They're now telling us that laptop cannot be erased or even traced remotely. That's pretty shocking. Pretty and this lies, setback for the Secret right. Service comes as the House Oversight Committee Chairman Jason Chaffetz reveals that a White House fence jumper was able to rattle a White House door handle before he was captured after 16 minutes and on White House Mace. grounds. Bryn Gingrass is out front. A stolen laptop potentially compromising the security at Trump Tower in New York is the latest setback for the Secret Service. A senior law enforcement source confirms an agent's computer was stolen out of her car in New York City Thursday. Her car? Yeah. I, I, okay. You know, the thing that's interesting about this, too, and I think the reason where my, where, I, where my bacon comes from, the origin of my bacon is having read books about the CIA. They love throwing other agencies under the bus. Uh, yeah. They love screwing them because not only does it generally work out better for them, it builds them more trust. People come to them for alternative solutions. Uh, but it's it's also one of these things where they can make another agency look like the dummy because all of these guys, all these agencies are all, are all fighting for the same pot of money. Yeah, they all want yeah. the money. Car yeah. in New York City Thursday. On it, floor plans and evacuation protocols for Trump Tower. Sources say the laptop was highly encrypted, but it can't be traced or erased remotely. Even if even if this is going nowhere, even if this laptop is never contributes to a compromise of security, just the very existence of this report in the future could be cited. Yep. A spokesman it's a for the department says there is no classified information on the computer. It had a really bad week. Two agents are also the subject of an internal investigation after being accused of photographing the president's grandson. The entire Trump family and their children receive protection, and sources say the agents took pictures of Donald Trump Jr.'s son as he was sleeping while being driven around New York City. It's almost, I feel like what it is, if I were, if I were going to make a little more bacon, what I would tell you is the CIA is basically telling Donald Trump, we can get to you, we can get to your family. Come out and apologize for what you've said about us. Come out, admit you were wrong, because we can get to you. Oof. This comes as we are learning new details about a security breach at the White House, where an intruder spent at least 15 minutes evading security on White House grounds while inching closer to the president. According to a Secret Service source, 26-year-old Jonathan Tran scaled a Treasury Department fence last Friday and set off several alarms, but still managed to sneak past a Secret Service security post before being caught in the inner portion of the White House grounds. I find that surprising. It's not – that is – I mean, that can just happen. They're going you know, lapses and whatnot, but I found um, – yeah, but I thought after uh, there were some uh, White House jumpers mm-hmm. from the Obama administration yep. that they yeah. re-souped up security. I actually found a YouTube video that shows the last nine years of like footage we have of fence jumpers. And it's like once they get on the grass, dude, it is an unbelievable, unbelievably pr- disproportional response. Like you step on the grass, you are toast. Like you don't they don't shoot you, but you are swamped with dogs and men in seconds. Yeah. And I, I watched nine years of fence jumpers. And every single time, boom, dude, boom, boom. It's, and then on the other side of the fence, cops just show up like out of nowhere and they push everybody back, everybody back. You, they get you away from the fence yeah. and it, it happens immediate. So it is weird. This guy spent 15 minutes. He's carrying mace. He's jiggling doorknobs. A criminal complaint shows he was carrying two cans of mace and was walking close to the exterior wall of the White House. You know, the white wall. While the president was home. Trump praised the Secret Service's response. Secret Service did a uh, fantastic job. It was a troubled person. It was very sad. But for- 
Yeah. So uh, a cybersecurity uh, also extends to physical security. Yeah. And uh, getting a laptop stolen out of a Secret Service agent's car. I don't think it was stolen, Chris. But that's okay. Mm, now you're frying a little bacon. Well, I'm just it. saying. I mean, why? Why Double would bacon. why would we know about this laptop and what was on it and all yeah. this stuff? I mean, come on. Why would you tell us the Trump the Trump Tower plans? You wouldn't say that, of course not, because you're putting a price on it now, right? Exactly. Or let's say I'm the person who stole it, but I can't quite get into it yet. Now you know what. Now the, I know what's on it. Jeez, that's a great point. Yeah, because I did see a report that says they use drive encryption. And that wasn't in Barbara's report, but I did see a report that says they use drive encryption. Yeah. If that's true, why would you tell them that? Because if it is BitLocker and you can compromise the local user account that the, the file encryption was done under, you could get access to yes. the file system. Yeah, there are ways around it. So it's not a smart thing to tell people. No, no. That is very odd, isn't I mean, it? it the, the whole report was odd when I first heard it because I was like, why would we know exactly what was on it already? It just didn't make sense to me. And that's why I think it's kind of a fabricated thing. I think it's a bookmark. Yeah, it's a bookmark. You're right. It's like two years from now or a year from now, six months from now, it'll get signed. There'll be, there'll be a callback and go, remember yeah. Yeah. Uh, when this happened? Well, look what happened in the Trump Tower or whatever. You know, just you never know. Jeez, that's spooky. Yeah. Uh, let's shift gears and talk about the spooky Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin. The shirtless spooky. Cyber wonder himself. Yes. Um, he uh, was uh, not directly mentioned, I don't think, very much during the hearing. But there was a couple of – there was one big hearing that had two modes. One about uh, the uh, Russian ties to the Trump campaign and their influence on the election. And then the other mode was – the wiretapping situation. Right. And I want to break them up. So we're going to break the two up. We're going to focus on the Russia connections first. And it was obviously going to be a boat show. And when I say a boat show, uh, you, ever, you ever heard the term showboating? Yes. Yeah. It was obviously going to be a boat show before the hearing even started when your buddy. My good friend. Adam Schiff. Who, Schiff. Uh, I put him up there in the category of like your John McCain and your Lindsey Graham, just a total sellout, one of the worst. <laughs> He's on the Intelligence <laughs> Committee. He's a Democrat from California. Um, he's ranking he's, member. Yeah, he's a big proponent of uh, domestic spying. He's a proponent of the war in Yemen. Um, so real great guy. Yeah, uh, been carrying Top water notch. for Clinton uh, since day one. And uh, he went on the uh, CBS Morning News with Charlie to uh, preview what was coming to, to tell, give you an idea what kind of boat show we'd oh, be seeing. Nice Minutes tease. ago, President Trump tweeted. Former director of national intelligence James Clapper and others stated that there is no evidence POTUS colluded with Russia. This story is fake news and everyone knows it. Close. I can't believe I can't believe it's 2017 and the president of the United States is still using the word fake news. Can we can we stop? Because you sound like a you sound like a, a teenager, Donald Trump. You sound like a child when you call it fake news. I'm just sick of it. It's not fake news. It's inaccurate news. It's fake news is actually too generous. It's not fake news. It's not fake news. That's that, ah. I, I get that he's trying to use their own term against them. I, I get that. But I'm so sick of it. I feel like the Twitter feed, I'm getting old. It's, I'm burning out on the Twitter feed, Chase. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we can talk about Twitter later. News and everyone <laughs> knows it, close quote. <laughs> California Congressman Adam Schiff is the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee. Schiff. He's with us from Washington for his only interview before the committee hearing. Look how punchable that face is. Oh, my God. <laughs> so punchable, dude. Schiff. Congressman, good morning. Good morning to you, Charlie. Uh, it's good to have you here. You said yesterday uh, that there was circumstantial evidence of collusion. Now, remember, Clapper said there was no evidence. Now, he was in the government as of, of like January 22nd. Uh, your buddy, your good friend Nunes, said no evidence. Schiff himself has even said there's no direct evidence of ties to Russia and collusion. He himself has even said that right, in interviews. Yeah. What's the circumstantial evidence? 
Well, some of it I can't go into, but uh, some of it will be discussed at the hearing today, and we'll see just how much Director Comey is willing to discuss. Uh, I was surprised to see Director Clapper make that kind of categorical statement, because that's not consistent with uh, what I've reviewed. Uh, I also think... The Director of National Intelligence. Okay. I think in addition to that circumstantial evidence, uh, there's very direct evidence of deception. And You didn't tell us any circumstantial evidence. He says in addition... He- Probably well, very- in addition to the evidence that he's not allowed to talk about, okay. he was alluding to that. Okay, so he's got evidence he can't talk about. The best public example I can give you for that uh, is when Michael Flynn lied about his conversation with the Russian ambassador. And this wasn't just any conversation. This was a conversation he had about uh, the Russian response to sanctions that were imposed on Russia by President Obama over what? Over their interference in the campaign to help Donald Trump. All right. So you get an idea of where Schiff sits at at the top of this committee. This You can tell he, he does, he's not he's not representing any bias. No. Right. Um, and uh, you, that also wasn't clear in the great line of questioning that he had for uh, Director Comey. You heard there, he's going to hopefully, he's going to get the answers. He's going to hopefully get those answers. What, what, yeah. what were those answers? I got a few of them for you. That, that the flip side of that coin was he had a clear preference for the person running against the person he Maggie hated Putin. so much. Yeah, they don't like NATO. They think NATO that encircles them Russia. and threatens them. Would they like to see the sanctions on Ukraine go away? Yeah. First of all, that seems to be that seems to be a geopolitical question that would not necessarily be appropriately directed at the FBI director. Correct. Why? What does the head of the FBI, a law enforcement agency, know about geopolitics like that? He but wouldn't. He shouldn't. Shift showboating here. Right. Would they like to see the sanctions on Ukraine go away? Yes. Would they have a preference for a candidate who expressed open admiration for Putin? And again, is the F, has, has the FBI investigated their feelings? What's going on here? Oh, right, right. Showboating. ...for Putin. And I hope you'll reformulate the question. Mr. Putin would like people who like him. Yeah, so do I, by the way. Turns yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, that's damning. That's super damning stuff. Um, and there is also uh, showboating on other sides. And other folks. stake here for Russia. This is big money, big strategic implications. If they can legitimate their annexation of Crimea... What's next? Now, he's not actually asking. In fact, he just keeps talking. Are we looking at a new Iron Curtain descending across Eastern Europe? Yeah, you get where this goes. He goes on for another three minutes, never asks a single question, just showboats the entire time. Questioning, we might guess who could be next. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Ranking Member, he yields his time. Oh, my gosh. So there was there was some of like just like I sat back, dude, and I'm watching this. I'm going, what? This, they know this is being recorded. It's, this is this – is, I was watching it. I go, oh, that's why they call this Hollywood for ugly people. It's show business for ugly people because they are putting on a show. They are not – they're not really doing any investigation. No. They're asking people about things like what do you think about Crimea? Well, what does the FBI director give – It has give? nothing to do with it. Yeah. Get, stick to the facts. There was one extremely interesting bit of information that came out though. Oh. I have been authorized by the Department of Justice to confirm – that the FBI, as part of our counterintelligence mission, is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. That's a big Boom, investigation. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. That's a, I, I, I want to be clear what, what it is. I'm going to play this part because it's important because I think the exact specific aspects of what he's investigating are going to get a little blown out. I have been authorized by the Department of Justice to confirm that the FBI, as part of our counterintelligence mission, is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. Okay. And that includes investigating the nature of any links 
between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the Russian government, and whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russia's efforts. Okay. As with any counterintelligence investigation, this will also include an assessment of whether any crimes were committed. Now this, I am very curious about. Mm, uh, That kind of piqued my eyebrow a little bit when he said that. Because it is an open, ongoing investigation and is classified, I cannot say more about what we are doing and whose conduct we are examining. Wow. That's okay. So there, but there is some investigation that does involve Trump to some degree. That's essentially what he yes, just said. That's yes. a big deal. Now, I wanted more information about it. And you're going to wonder, like, why, why can he sometimes give us details about some investigations? Why can't he give us details other times about other investigations? Right. Yeah. So I tried to find some clips that go into more detail, but he can't give much. Taking the extraordinary step in coordination with the Department of Justice of briefing this Congress's leaders, including the leaders of this committee, in a classified setting, in detail about the investigation. In other words, so what happened was, is Comey, before this hearing, met with the Department of Justice and said, we've got to tell them about this investigation. So he says this is an unprecedented disclosure. And what we're going to do, because we're making this unprecedented disclosure, is we're going to hold a separate classified hearing where I will tell you more information. Oh. But I can't go into those details here. Some folks may want to make comparisons to past instances where the Department of Justice and the FBI have spoken about the details of some investigations. This crossed my mind. I mean, honestly, this was, this was what I was trying to get. Yeah. Like, what is the disparity here? But please keep in mind that those involve the details of completed investigations. Is it fair to say that you're still relatively early in your investigation? It's hard to say because I don't know how much longer it will take. Oh, boy. Try two more years, I bet. I bet, I bet maybe three more years. I bet you it takes right up to election. Uh, yeah, up until like eight days before. But we've been doing this. Uh, this investigation began in late July. So for a counterintelligence investigation, that's a late fairly ju- short wait, period of time. Late July? Yeah, yeah. yeah but well, you didn't tell us that before November. What? What? So uh, one of the questions that Comey was asked is, what was so different about the Russians' involvement with our election this time? Because they went through and they asked him state by state, was this state's elections impacted by the Russians? Every single state. The answer was no. No, no measurable impact to the actual results of the election. So if there was no measurable impact to the actual results of the election, what was it that was so different about the Russian involvement this time? Now, Mike Rogers, the NSA director, says, well, the fact that they hit cyber so hard. They did cyber. They did cyber, which if we, yeah. if we accept that the Russians were involved in hacking the election, then what we are accepting is that they fished. That phishing is now what a superpower does when they want to when they want to influence the largest democracy right. in the world. They fish. Yep. Uh, so apparently, uh, Mike Rogers said, "Yeah, well, they fished." Although he didn't call it that, he said cyber. Uh, that he called it. He actually said, "quote unquote," the hacking. The director of the NSA. The quickening or the hacking? He said, well, <laughs> the Russians did some of the hacking and the cyber. And then Comey said, well, there was one other thing that was a little different than how they normally act when they attack us. Interchange. <clears throat> and the only thing that I'd add is they were unusually loud. Oh, there's actually one. And it's just cut off right there, and I apologize for it. But he's actually finishing the statement. The other thing he says that's interesting, Mike Rogers, the NSA director, the other thing he says that's interesting is that the Russians went to all of this trouble to hack the information and release the information, and they didn't alter the information. Oh, he says they didn't change. That's what he, he's, the, he's, sending, he's finishing the sentence and saying they didn't change it. He says that's also unusual. Usually, if the Russians try to have, in his estimation, if the Russians are, are, are getting information, 
information for propaganda purposes, they often alter that information. Right. He says it was different this time that the Russians used the the hacking and the cyber and that they didn't change the information. Mm. And, and that he's just concluding that statement as Comey says, oh, and also there was one other thing that was odd. Interchange. And the only thing that I'd add is they were unusually loud in their intervention. They were unusually loud. Huh. Now, loud is sort of a colloquial way of saying they – they, they left a lot of fingerprints. They left a lot of traces. They didn't cover their tracks. They were noisy. Right. It's almost as if they didn't care that we knew uh, what they were doing or that they wanted us to see what they were doing. It's almost as if they wanted us to see what they're doing. It's almost as if they wanted us to see what they're doing. It's almost as if they didn't care that we knew uh, what they were doing or that they wanted us to see what they were doing. It was very noisy. Their intrusions uh, in different institutions, in their intervention... It's almost as if they didn't care that we knew uh, what they were doing or that they wanted us to see what they were doing. It was very noisy. Interchange. Complain again. And the only thing that I'd add is they were unusually loud in their intervention. It's almost as if they didn't care that we knew uh, what they were doing or that they wanted us to see what they were doing. They wanted us to see it. Now, now, if you're Russia, Chris, if I am, if I'm an elite, because remember, the, the one of the reasons we know and literally CrowdStrike cites this as some of their proof. One of the ways we know that this was the Russians is because the level of sophistication of the attack. Correct. Yes. So. Uh, so if I'm a so nation loud? state, state sponsored attacker that is theoretically has an incredible budget. Right. Unbelievable resources. Yeah. Access to some of the Ukrainians oldest malware. Why would I be. So clumsy in leaving my trace. I don't think it's anything have to do with clumsiness. It's an intentional thing. Now, was it two weeks ago? I mean, time goes by so fast. But wasn't it just wasn't it just a a short two weeks ago that we were talking about Vault Seven, where in there there was specific disclosure about how the CIA has tools to make it look like they're the Russians? Yes, that is correct. And if I was going to um, have a if I, I mean, if I, I guess, I guess I should probably maybe one more time fry a little more bacon, a lot more, of bacon, more, more bacon for Marvel Mail, yeah. But I'm just, I, I can't. It's like it's if I, if I, if I choose to remove myself from a reality where the Vault Seven disclosures did not happen, then I could see this. But if I am a honest, intellectually honest individual with myself, and I know that for a fact our our CIA has the capability of impersonating Russian attackers, and I think we've very clearly demonstrated on the show that the CIA is out to get Trump in various ways. They were rooting for Hillary Clinton during the election. Mike Morrell was the obvious head of that. So is uh, Panetta. Panetta is still out there. Um, I think you could also say Michael Hayden, another former CIA director, has been out there anti-Trump, pro-Hillary Clinton. There's also a CIA official, I, I can't remember if he's retired or not. Do you remember the bald guy, the shaved head guy who ran oh, for president? Oh. I can't remember his name right now. I know who you're talking about. Again, another yeah. another person in the CIA. Like, the CIA yeah. clearly has been anti-Trump. There, And then we also know that unnamed intelligence officials have been leaking selectively information to the media, which is presumably people in the CIA. So mm-hmm. these things we all know to be true. 
That is correct. Vault 7 disclosures show that the CIA can impersonate the Russians. The CIA has been disclosing selectively information to the press. There have been reports that the CIA is also not providing the president with sources and means. There is that big dossier that floated around that looks completely bogus that certain intelligence officials made sure the media got their hands on. All of this has been has been clearly shown on the show. All of it. And so when you hear that the attackers were noisy, that they were particularly loud, so much so that the director of the FBI thinks it's worth noting and mentioning. Like it percolates all the way to the top of this of the food chain at the FBI. It's not something just discussed amongst agents. It's not just something that's just discussed at yeah, the, the cyber top. forensics yeah. guys. It's not something at the lower levels. It's something that's gone all the way to the top of the FBI. And now here he is in a Senate hearing and he feels it necessary to mention it. To me, that seems like a huge deal. Interchange. And the only thing that I'd add is they were unusually loud in their intervention. It's almost as if they didn't care that we knew uh, what they were doing or that they wanted us to see what they were doing. It was very noisy. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting, I thought. I thought that was worth worth playing on the show, worth talking about. No, no, not a bad. bad. All right, let's uh, let's chill out with uh, a little needling. The first public hearing on the Hill regarding the uh, allegations of Trump-Russia collusion was truly an enlightening one. So many memorable quotes coming out of it. Do we know who Gazprom Media is? Do you know that anything about Gazprom, Director? I don't. Again, probably this is why the FBI director shouldn't be commenting on world politics. If you don't know who Gazprom is, you probably are not understanding a lot of uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes things in 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 huge political movements. Oil is kind of a big deal. Oil is kind of one of those things, you know? <laughs> and so if you're not really familiar with one of the largest oil companies, if you're not big on that, you, you probably aren't up to snuff on world politics. So it's, it almost invalidates all of his commentary previously. One, so many memorable quotes. Do we know who Gazprom Media is? Do you know that, anything about Gazprom, Director? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, it's a... Um, it's an oil company. Yeah. <laughs> and there are no free lunches in Russia. RT, the Russian, U.S. anti-propaganda outlet. Hey, anti-propaganda. They got an upgrade, dude. Anti- U.S. anti-propaganda. If you think about it, they probably do kind of look, think Russia today probably thinks of them that, themselves as that way. Yeah, we're, a, we're an anti-propaganda network of the U.S. That's probably, that's probably their... Well, the Russian that's what U.S. Gets them, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what gets them up in the morning, gets them all energized, Chase. Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, since we're now recognized as an uh, anti-propaganda network, let us do just that. Fill- you know, it's a shame. There's, <laughs> it, you know, it's a shame. This is, this is really RT at its best. It's a shame this doesn't get more play because I'm going to play this clip for you because this is one of those where RT just has a lot of great source material to work, material to work with so they can be a little sassy and they can just pull in all these great quotes. It's, it, it's them at their best because so there's so much crap on RT these days. So much crap, but this, this shines. You in on what the propaganda would not tell you. You may have heard at this hearing the name of Paul Manafort. It was mentioned quite a few times, courtesy of Congressman Himes, all in connection of one of the former members of Team Trump previously working for the campaign of the former Ukrainian president. Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort. Now, Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort. Did Paul Manafort. (laughs) Paul Manafort. 
What you would not have heard is that Paul Manafort was by far not the only professional U.S. lobbyist strutting his stuff in Ukraine in 2010. Most of the candidates had American advisors, including Yanukovych's major rival, Yulia Tymoshenko, whose failed presidential run was advised by Obama's former chief strategist, David Axelrod. That's kind of a big connection. Interesting. You would have also heard at that meeting the former National Security Advisor General Flynn should be investigated for a speech in Moscow 18 months ago. As one of the congressmen believes for breaking the emoluments clause by making a paid speech in a foreign land. You would not have heard, though, that Flynn was not a government official at that time, not to mention he also reportedly lobbied for the Turkish government in those days. But more importantly, if you had bared to watch that hearing for five hours, you would have heard a little about the CrowdStrike affair, even though the shady cybersecurity firm was not even mentioned by name. But just as a few months ago, Comey again confirmed that the firm had the exclusive access to the reportedly hacked DNC servers, not even the FBI itself. That is such... That is such an underreported aspect of this story. That is true. And it was reported that this would change and it still hasn't changed. To me, it feels like that is such a key aspect that it is – It's not even touched on. It's almost scandalous. Yeah. It feels scandalous to me. It feels a little bit, yeah. Direct access to the machines themselves. The DNC in the spring of 2016 hired a firm that ultimately shared with us uh, their, their forensics from their review of the system. Um, you have still been never been given access to any of the technical or the physical uh, machines that were that were that were hacked by the Russians. That's correct. Although we got the forensics from the pros that they hired, which uh, again, you'll, best uh, practice is always to get access to the machines themselves. But this, my folks tell me, was a appropriate substitute. You know what's interesting is, uh, as somebody who edits a lot of clips, I can tell you this right here, right now. Unfilter uh, sometimes edits he- more heavily than RT does. Just for like that audio is so bad in that clip. Sometimes I would cut it off early. RT did not have to play this part. This part where Comey says, "But this is kind of okay." My people tell me that they did a good job and uh, we're okay with this. If RT would have cut the clip right where he says, "Yeah, we never got access to the server, even though we, we wanted it." They would have cut the clip there. It would have it would have made their case twice as strong. Oh yeah, but, but they actually chose. The full picture. They actually yeah. chose to play the entire context of the statement, even with the bad audio. Now I'm not trying to defend RT, but I am here to tell you, as somebody who watches a lot of news every week, they they are kind of alone in this. CNN, CBS, CNN, whatever. I mean. CNN, definitely. Yeah, definitely CNN. But they all would do it. Everybody would do it simply, Chase, for, for timing, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. To make it snappier because the audio is bad. Like, not even for some sort of, like, uh, uh, bias or some sort of agenda. It's simply because it's bad production quality. So I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was worth observing that as somebody who works a lot in this. I did notice this. Uh, practice always to get access to the machines themselves. But this, my folks tell me, was a appropriate substitute. What you would not have heard at the hearing uh, regarding the CrowdStrike company is that it's run by Dmitry Alperovich, a senior fellow at the As Atlantic Council think tank, arguably the most hawkish one in D.C. when it comes to Russia. Or that his name surfaced back in 2008 when Russia was accused of cyber-attacking Georgia, as independent journalist Yasha Levin, who had investigated the alleged cyber war for many years, recently wrote that Alperovich was one of the minor online voices supporting the idea that the cyber-attacks against Georgia were some kind of Russian plot. Back then, he was in charge 
charge of intelligence analysis at Secure Computing Corporation, a cybersecurity company that also made censorship tools used by countries like Saudi Arabia. The problem also is that the cyber invasion of Georgia has never been proven to be real. The recent CrowdStrike's investigation was also not mentioned, the one which said Russia hacked Ukraine's artillery systems. We cover that on TechSnap. And that investigation was debunked. It turns out, though, that, uh, well... By none other than Ukraine's defense ministry. Ah, yeah. That was also not mentioned at the meeting. All this evaded the attention of the Congress today. But the show now is firmly on the road, with more entertainment expected yep. over the next couple of weeks. Yep, more to come, more hearings to come. But that's not the only thing we need to talk about from this hearing. So then there was, of course, the wiretapping. The quote-unquote Wiretapping, Chase. Tr- uh, t- uh, Tapgate? What do you think? Tapgate? No? No, that's not no, good. No, no. I'm trying to come up with names for it, Chase. I'm trying to come up with a name for it. Uh, and so before before we get into the hearing itself, I want to set up the um, the context around the hearing. Did you did you see that uh, Trump was on Tucker Carlson? Tucker, that's right, yeah. He was on Tucker's yep, show. And he yeah. was sitting in front of some, a lot of cars. Yeah, and, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, it was, yeah. Detroit, was, yeah. So there was, there was not a lot in this interview. It kind of sucked, but... Uh, I thought there was one good moment where Tucker asked him about the wiretapping, and he asked him something that was on your mind last week. President Trump insisted in our interview yesterday that he will be vindicated in his claim that President Obama spied on him, wiretapped him, during the 2016 campaign. Why not wait to tweet about it until you can prove it? You, no, you think, I think you brought that up, That's right? That's right. Because you because, value well, your because, words when you can't provide well, evidence. Well, because the New York Times wrote about it. You know, not that I respect the New York Times. I call it the failing New York Times. But right there, he's already got himself in a trap. Because if he's citing something that he says is a failed fake news all the time, that's a logic loop. That doesn't make any sense. Right. That, you, those, you've, you've already broken me. I'll tell you, I, I said this last week, they've really got him here. Because if he were to cite the information he actually has... He would be essentially declassifying methods and means, and he would be he would be a leaker. So he can't cite if the, you know this. I'm just I'm I'm suggesting this. I'm not saying this is true. He cannot cite the actual intelligence information that he has seen because he would be therefore declassifying it. So what he has to do is cite the things that are in the public. This is done all the time at hearings. They'll cite reports, media reports, media reports, media reports. That's what he's doing here. And he doesn't want to cite Breitbart because if he says the words Breitbart, he's going to get roasted. So then he has to cite the New York Times. And then he ends up just doubling down in this logic loop that he's in. But what's fascinating is you can also watch Watch a little bit of how the man's mind works. Watch how fast Donald Trump's mind is. I'm not here to tell you he's a genius, but I am here to tell you that he is very, very, very quick-witted. This self-correction that he does almost immediately, watch this. This is really, this is, this is, this is one of the most fascinating things about the way Trump speaks. Wrote about it, you know, not that I respect the New York Times, I call it the failing New York Times. So he says the New York Times wrote about it, not that I respect the New York Times, I call them the New York, failing New York Times. The the next beat out of his mouth, in his mind, he has gone through the entire thing. Oh, shit. I just legitimized the New York Times. My whole thing, my whole phrasing is that they're the failing New York Times. And then out of his mouth says, well, not that I – I call them the – he – 
He immediately self-analyzed the words that just came out of his mouth and made an immediate correction and statement. Unfortunately, this sort of automatic process of his also reveals the internal conflict. Because the New York Times wrote about it. You know, not that I respect the New York Times. You see how he did that? Yeah. You see, he just had that thought. Oh, shit, I just legitimized the New York Times. I always call. So then he has to correct it so fast. He doesn't even get a complete sentence out. What he gets out is, well, I call them. I've labeled them. I've branded them. He did the same thing when he talked about Crooked Hillary. He did the same thing. And it's fascinating to see because you can really see how fast and how on his feet he's working here. And this is why he keeps getting himself screwed because he doesn't, I believe, this is just my honest analysis after watching this man speak for a long time now and knowing people like him, he doesn't have 100% control over what, over what comes out of his mouth. He's willing to stand <laughs> behind what does come out, and he, 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 yeah. but he doesn't have – his automatic response is so fast. He has a very quick mind, and I think his mind is connected to his tongue. The New York Times wrote about it. You know, Not that I respect the New York Times. I call it the failing New York Times. But they did write on January 20th using the word wiretap. Other people have come out with... Uh, right, but you're the statements. president. You have the ability to gather all the evidence I do, you want. I do, but I think that, frankly, we have a lot right now. And I, I think if you watch, uh, if you watched uh, the Brett Bear and what he was saying... The Brett Bear. See, he is a 70-year-old man. And I'm not trying to be ageist, but I do think it's important to also, when you t- think about the way he tweets and talks, he is a 70-year-old man. He calls him the Brett Bear. The, the Brett Bear he, Show. He's been on Brett Bear. He's yeah. been on Brett Show. If you watched uh, the Brett Bear and what he was saying and what he was talking about and how he mentioned the word wiretap, you would feel very confident that you could mention the name. He mentioned it, and other people have mentioned it. But if you take a look at some of the things written about wiretapping and eavesdropping, and don't forget, when I say wiretap, those words were in quotes. Oh, that really covers because wiretapping that, is pretty old Stop. He only did this after people called him, after they came up with the narrative, and after Sean Spicy Spicer was like saying, you know, the president did it in quotation. They they, uh, they thought I, about I, this. I, I got to disagree, dude. Uh, I don't know, man. Did he, did, he, did he or did he not tweet with wiretap and quotes? He did, but here's the thing. They never clarified that remark until like, well, was it the following Tuesday or Wednesday? Well, what's he going to do? It's 120 characters. He, he, you see him, sorry. You see him tweet like five, six, seven tweets in a row. He didn't, you know, come on. So what, he should have said they used Section 702 authorization to collect? That would have been at least a more logical response. I, I guess he could have said they 702'd me, but nobody would have any idea what he's talking about. Wiretapping is a galvanizing word. Exactly. So, but the thing is, though, even though putting in... Quotation marks doesn't matter because Mr. You know John Q. Public in Arkansas is going to see that and go, yep, they wiretapped the tower. See, I, I disagree. I don't think anybody that reads that or has heard a single report thinks that uh, President Obama called up uh, Mr. Kami and said, go take a vampire tap and splice it into the uh, coaxial cable over at Trump. I think ta- it really depends on who you ask. I, I think if you ask somebody who wasn't, you know, who, who probably voted for Trump. Maybe in not the same education level would probably think that wiretap means what it means. I don't think anybody thinks wiretap means uh, like vampire cable into copper. I don't think anybody thinks that anymore. I think everybody uh, thinks wiretapping means you push a button. I think that's well, but I, I think mean, Edward Snowden accomplished that, right? But I, but I, by by putting in quotation marks, I don't, I don't. I think like I said, I mean, why, why put out of all the things he put in? I mean, I, I, I hate to be the why, guy. Why that's not saying, just say I was surveilled against? Okay, I agree. I agree. I agree. I think the only I have two suggestions. One, he's an old man, and it's his parlance. True. It's Americanese. Fact. It's right. Americanese. Yeah, fact. Uh, number two, it's um, it is it's a it's branded. It is it is a 
it is a loaded word. Yeah. There is a lot of absolutely. So you get a lot of attention, right? right? Because he wants to start a conversation. And then number three, I would say, well, he wasn't trying to start a conversation. He was making an accusation. Well, but that's what he's. But he. But he knows what he tweets gets reported. At this right. Point. Yeah. I mean, he knows what's up. Yeah. He knows what's up. Reported I, by the fake news that he hates. I would say. I would say. And number three, the part that I thought. I see the part that I think is way more egregious. Then the, I don't. I hate to be the guy that says what's the, what's the, is what's the definition of it is. Like I don't want to be that. guy. What's the definition of it? But I think we get so distracted by the wiretapping thing. And what I, oh, what, I agree. Yeah. What I think is actually probably more scandalous is the fact that he's throwing his predecessor under the bus. Oh yeah. Like I mean, sure. I, for the first couple of years, Obama blamed Bush for everything, but it got to a point where like. There was, but the real shit, like the like the like the war crimes and the domestic spying and all of that. Obama had Bush's back the entire time. I mean, the the, the progressives don't want to hear this, but while he was maybe giving Bush a hard time for the economy publicly and blaming Bush about torture and b- blaming Guantanamo on Bush publicly, behind the scenes. He covered Bush's ass for violating the Constitution and for committing war crimes. So let's when, when it actually came to what mattered, he didn't throw Bush under the bus. Sure. But Trump, Trump is accusing his predecessor of a felony on one of the most public mediums we have now. I mean, it, that is the more scandalous thing yeah, in my that's mind. that's true. That's true. Anyways, he goes on to say, uh, he goes on to kind of dance around. Take a look at some of the things written about wiretapping and eavesdropping. And don't forget, when I say wiretap, those words were in quotes. That really covers, because wiretapping is pretty old-fashioned stuff, but that really covers surveillance and many other things. And nobody ever talks about the fact that it was in quotes, but that's a very important thing. But wiretap covers a lot of different things. I think you're going to find some very interesting items coming. That's an, this is a couple of nights ago, by the way. This yeah. is, that's an interesting today of what we're about to talk about. To the forefront over the next two weeks. So author, columnist. So let's stop there. So that was his, that was his, that interview. Oh man, dude. Oh, MSNBC and CNN were on fire for two days after that interview. They were really, really <laughs> so many things about his legitimacy, so many things about his credibility for two days straight. Um, and so we we kind of got we kind of went into the hearing like we with the Russian stuff with sort of a, a bit of a narrative. The bizarre saga of President Trump's explosive claim that he was wiretapped by President Obama last year comes to a head today. FBI Director James Comey expected to publicly debunk the president's unproven allegations. So like we said last week, before he before Comey even sat down, we said this last week, before he even says one damn thing, we expected him to say, well, we don't have any proof of wiretapping. Lawmakers investigating the claim repeatedly saying there is no evidence. Was there a physical wiretap hey, of Trump buddy. Tower? My no, good but there, there, there never was. I hope we can put an end to this wild goose chase because... I hate Schiff and you hate Nunes. It's funny. What the president said was just patently false. Trump's unsubstantiated claims straining diplomatic relations with two of the United States' strongest allies. I like the, this I like this one a lot. This meme that this, this relationship has been strained, this relationship. It's so strong. It, go, it runs so deep. It's so historic. That one president's tweet can disrupt the entire thing. It's so strong. It's such a great it's it, they're our strongest ally, except for when we tweet. Instantiated claims straining diplomatic relations with two of the United States' strongest allies. The president even joking about it on Friday during a state visit by German Chancellor Angela Merkel. You see this? 
as far as uh, yeah, I was watching this wiretapping. I guess I couldn't believe by, it. you know this past administration. At least we have something in common, perhaps. <laughs> oh. Man, that's good. He's talking about Merkel, of course, getting tapped. Yep. Uh, but uh, Comey says um, there is no evidence supporting the wiretapping tweets. Director Comey, was the president's statement that Obama had his wires tapped in Trump Tower a true statement? With respect to the president's tweets about alleged wiretapping directed at him by the prior administration, I have no information that supports those tweets, and we have looked carefully inside the FBI. The Department of Justice has asked me to share with you that the answer is the same for the Department of Justice and all its components. Mm. The department has no information that supports those tweets. The president accused Mr. Obama and presumably the FBI of engaging in McCarthyism. That's a loaded thing to say to the FBI yeah, director. Yeah, it totally is. As you understand the term McCarthyism, do you think President Obama or the FBI was engaged in such conduct? I'm not going to try and characterize the, the tweets themselves. All I can tell you is we have no information that supports them. All right. So this is basically, yeah, no wiretapping from the FBI side of things. Um, and he says also it's not like Obama could just call me up and order the wiretapping on his own. There's three branches of government. The president dog. second stated, quote, is it legal for a sitting president to be wiretapping a race for president prior to an election? Turned down by a court earlier, a new low, unquote. Director Comey, can you answer the president's question? Would it be legal for President Obama to have ordered a wiretap of Donald Trump? I'm not going to care. So this is the problem. Because he did use the term wiretap, guys like Schiff and the and the media can go literal, and they can actually mean they can say they can talk about wiretaps, and they're not talking about Section Seven Hundred Two right. authorization yep. and, and and picking up uh, additional people con- connected so, so, with mo- so so they can come out and not perjure themselves and be right completely so a- honest right right and so but, there is no evidence of a wiretap correct because Why- we're talking about wiretap yeah to respond to the tweets themselves, I can tell you in general, as, as uh, Admiral Rogers and I were just saying, there is a statutory framework in the United States under which courts grant permission for electronic surveillance, either in a criminal case or a national security case, based on a showing of probable cause, carefully overseen. It's a rigorous, rigorous process that involves all three branches of government, oh! and it's one we've lived with since the late 1970s. That's how it works. So, so- no individual in the United States can direct electronic surveillance of anyone. It has to go through an application process, ah. ask a judge. The oh. judge can then make the order. Okay. So FISA court. FISA court. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So no one individual. Got to go through the FISA court. FISA court. Of the order. Right. So three intelligence sources. Now, you remember this? Yeah. Yeah, we had, it, we had it last week. We had the judge on. He, now, he says it wasn't exactly through the NSA. It was through the GCHQ. I've informed Fox News that President Obama went outside the chain of command. He didn't use the NSA. He didn't use the CIA. He didn't use the FBI. And he didn't use the Department of Justice. He used GCHQ. What the heck is GCHQ? That's the initials for the British spying agency. They have 24-7 access to the NSA database. Now, they came out and said, this is shameful. This is ridiculous. This is unbelievable. Don't even consider this. That's, but that wouldn't be a wiretap. That wouldn't be a wiretap. Correct. Now, you remember we played that. That's right. Uh, guess who else saw that on TV? Who else saw that? That would be Donald Trump. Trump's response, hey, they're the ones who said it. 
That was a statement made by a very talented lawyer. He's a judge. On Fox. And so you shouldn't be talking to me. You should be talking to Fox. What yes. circular logic is on that? Guess who got fired after that? Yeah, who's not on the air right now? Yep, the judge. Yeah, yep. Yep, the judge got fired after that one. Boy, we watched a couple fall recently. Uh, ben Swan, after talking about Pizzagate, gone. And now the judge, whoop, 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 he's gone. He'll be back, you I think? think. Yeah, oh yeah. He's been brought out. He's been taken off the air once yeah, before. Yeah, he'll be back. Um, so I don't really know. I was kind of disappointed in Schiff's questions. It seemed to be a little boating. Uh, but then, uh, then your good buddy, Trey My Gowdy. Friend. Yeah, oh, Trey. Yeah, yeah Trey. Um, who apparently has got himself a bit of a reputation online. People hate him. Like, I guess he's been... He's, he reminds me of a, a very, like, old Matthew McConaughey or something. Huh. You know, he's got that... I, well, he was, you know, he was involved with the Benghazi investigations, and so he right. kind of... But then you look into Benghazi, there was some shenanigans going on there. But uh, anyways, yeah. uh, Trey Gowdy wanted to try to move the conversation a little bit, uh, a little bit more from the wiretapping, more towards who the hell disclosed the name of Paul Manafort? And who the hell disclosed the name of Michael Flynn? Who who unmasked these? That's the that's the that's the intelligence agency's term. It was actually a fascinating discussion because in the conversation you find out that there are twenty people in the NSA that are authorized to unmask. We actually got a number twenty people. The FBI didn't have their number, but it sounds like it's in the hundreds that are authorized to unmask. Uh, and so Trey starts to speculate on what would be the motivation of the leakers to tell the press that Michael Flynn had communications with the ambassador or that Paul Manafort had worked with a Russian. What is that motivation? Because it's not probably for Comey. I can't answer that. Well, Director Comey, there's been some speculation uh, this morning on motive. Um, I'm not all that interested in motive. First of all, it's really hard to prove. Secondarily, you never have to prove it. But I get that people want to know. I, I get the jury all wants, always wants to know why. I think you and I can agree there are a couple of reasons that you would not have to unlawfully, feloniously disseminate classified material. It certainly wasn't done to help an ongoing criminal investigation because you already had the information, didn't you? Again, I can't answer in the context of this particular matter. How about in theory? Is, is, is there something a reporter would have access to that the head of the FBI would not? Sorry for me to answer. I would hope not when it relates to the I FBI would hope not, too, since it's part of our surveillance programs. I would hope that you had access to everything as the head of the world's premier law enforcement agency. I would hope that you had it all. So if you had it all, the motive couldn't have been to help you because you already had it. Huh. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And Admiral Rogers, the motive couldn't have been to help you because you already had it. So in the universe of possible motives for the felonious dissemination of classified material, we could rule out wanting to help the intelligence communities and the law enforcement communities. Those are two motives that are gone now. That leaves some more nefarious Motives is the investigation into the leak of classified information. Has it begun yet? I can't say. That means yes, <laughs> because otherwise he could comment. But he can't comment when it's an active investigation. Because I don't want to confirm that that was classified information. Well, I'm, that's also I'm, I don't want to quarrel with you, Director Comey, and I, I do understand that you cannot ordinarily confirm or deny the existence of an investigation. But you did it this morning, citing DOJ policy, given the gravity of the fact pattern. Would you not agree 
that surveillance programs that are critical, indispensable, vital to our national security. Now, there's something coming up in this clip that was news to me. And if the American public understood how important this was, it would be bigger than SOPA. Some of which are up for reauthorization this fall. Oh, which 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 programs are up for authorization this fall? Hmm. that save American lives and prevent terrorist attacks. By the way, that's code for the domestic spying program. The 702 authorization, which I have relinked some of the problems with it in the show notes, it is it is on its face, it is about outside surveillance and FISA court approval for domestic surveillance. On its face, that's what it's about. So it, so a lot of times lawmakers will, will call it like the FISA authorization bill that to try to frame it as this is what this is what this bill, they try to frame it as this is the bill that forces the intelligence agencies to have to go through the FISA court to spy on you. They try to frame it as that, but that's not true. The Constitution does that. This is actually the bill that enables them to use a series of – I don't know if it's a bill. That's probably not the right term. But it's an authorization that allows them to essentially through a series of loopholes accidentally spy on Americans. And so in this clip, he talks about it coming up for reauthorization. And what he's getting at here, if you can parse all of the politician, what he's getting at here is these leaks, these leaks are going to create a headwind against reauthorization of 702. As in if Comey doesn't figure out who the hell is leaking this information, they might not get reauthorization of 702. That's his, that's his position. Also uh, rises to the level of important. I think those programs are vital and leaks of information collected pursuant to court order under those programs are terrible. And as I said in my opening statement, should be taken very, very seriously. What- like Michael Flynn, like any of the leaks that are really about Trump. What I don't ever want to do is compound what bad people have done and confirm something that's in the newspaper. Because sometimes newspaper gets it right. There's a whole lot of wrong information about allegedly about classified activities that's in the newspaper. And this is an interesting one. And I've suspected this. I've wondered if sometime when sometimes when the intelligence agencies selectively leak classified information, I've wondered if Comey... And because there was a report about the Trump administration asking the FBI to come out and correct some of these leaks. Yeah. Yeah. And I've wondered if if a lot of times when this information gets leaked, if they sit on their hands going, God, I wish I could tell people what's really going on. And I feel like he's about to say that. Activities that's in the newspaper, we don't call them and correct them either. That's another big challenge. But we just don't go anywhere near it because we don't want to help and compound the offense that was committed. I understand. Yeah, the, that would be uh, the uh, copyright or um, <laughs> leaking classified information. <laughs> right. So uh, he says, okay. So these are the so we can't. So the motivations don't appear to help the NSA. The motivations don't be to uh, appear to help the FBI investigation. You've already got all the information. You didn't need these names to be unmasked. So who could have leaked this? If you have twenty people in the NSA and you have a hundred or more in the FBI, are there other people that might have political agendas that could have leaked this information? And Gaudi asks about a couple of individuals that I feel like he must have a damn good reason for asking about. Would Director Brennan have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? In some circumstances, yes. Would National Security Advisor Susan Rice have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? I think any – yes, uh, in general, and any other national security advisor would, I think, as a matter of their uh, ordinary course of their business. Would former White House advisor Ben Rhodes have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? I don't know the answer to that. Would former Attorney General Loretta Lynch have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? In general, yes, as would any attorney general. 
So it was interesting. Uh, Susan Rice, Ben Rhodes. Hmm. That, yeah. Those are a couple of names that uh, we haven't heard uh, kicked around a lot when it comes to leaks. Uh, but a little more on 702 authorization being in jeopardy if these leaks don't get figured out. Vital. And second, that this conversation has nothing to do with 702. Folks often mix them together. 702 is about targeting non-U.S. persons overseas. Of course. Pursuant to the FISA statute, the FBI can apply to collect electronic surveillance in the United States, but it's a different thing from 702. The conversation you and I are just having is about this, which is vital and important, but I just didn't want to leave folks confused. Director Comey, you are 100% correct, and I am 100% correct in saying that that is a distinction that doesn't make a difference to most of the people watching television. You are exactly correct. What we are reauthorizing this fall has nothing to do with what we are discussing. There's our date, this fall. So I'm going to be watching for the 702 authorization of this fall. I wonder if we'll see much reporting on that. I'll try to do reporting on it. Yeah, we'll see. Correct. What we are reauthorizing this fall has this fall. Patreon.com slash We are reauthorizing. Notice how he Reau- says that. Yeah, yeah. We are. Yeah. Like it's gonna happen. Yeah. Make sure you reauthorize the unfilter show at patreon.com slash unfilter so we can keep recording. <laughs> That's right, for you. Reauthorize. Most of the people watching television. You are exactly correct. What we are reauthorizing this fall has nothing to do with what we are discussing. Great catch. It's just yeah. an assume. It's just, yeah, it's like, dude. There's your big conservative hero, everybody, Trey Gowdy. There's your big, small government hero, ladies and gentlemen. We will reauthorize. You are exactly correct. What we are reauthorizing this fall has nothing to do with what we are discussing other than it is another government program. This is why when people like, it's, we just last week we had somebody join the IRC after the show and he goes, hey, Chris, I'm, an, I'm a new viewer and I just can't figure out, are you a Republican or a Democrat? <laughs> this right here. Ladies and gentlemen, is a brilliant case example of why I will never identify as one or the other because they are all the same. Rising this fall has nothing to do with what we are discussing other than it is another government program where the people consent to allow government to pursue certain things with the explicit promise it will be protected. So you're right, they're different. But in the eyes of people watching... It is the U.S. government officials leaking the name of a U.S. citizen, and if it can happen here, oh. it may happen there. Oh. Trust me, you and I both want to see it reauthorized. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is in jeopardy if we don't get this resolved. I think that is a fascinating perspective I wow. had not considered. So people are saying in the chat, what is 702? We have it linked in the, in the uh, show notes. If you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com, look for 2.30. It is essentially the loopholes that the NSA uses to uh, get all of this accidental uh, information they pick up, like stuff we just heard about here. So first, I recently confirmed that on numerous occasions, the intelligence community incidentally collected information about U.S. citizens involved in the Trump transition. Details about U.S. persons associated with the incoming administration, details with little or no apparent foreign intelligence value. So after all of these hearings, after testimony from Rogers and testimony from Comey, after all of this, the guy that's the head of this gets surprising information. Somebody with information, with documents, quote unquote, gives him a leak. And all of a sudden, he's got information he's got to take directly to the president. And after that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Chase Nunes' Twitter <laughs> lit up. You want, you, you, can, you, can you bring it up? Yeah, I was just thinking I would do that. I will do that. So yeah. This you know, is so funny that it happened to a host of this show. Like, what are the chances? What are the odds, right? I mean, honestly, I'm the only – well, I wouldn't say the only – person this has ever happened to but at this point in time i'm the only person in america in the world of twitter 
Uh, click on those tweets and What's replies. Happening, buddy? What's happening? So, right oh, yeah, so you get the full so you feed. Get the full you want feed. the full feed, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, yeah, twitter.com slash newness. Um, this is unbelievable. So Chase happens to share the last name with <laughs> Representative Nunes. Yeah. It's funny. Nunes is how most people are pronouncing yeah, it. Nunes, Nunes, Nunes. Yeah, I, I've not, I've not got it. I've not actually heard any really Nunes. I have not heard any of that. Yeah, but I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of Nunes. Um, in fact, I was going to ask you if this is a different pronunciation, but it turns out they're just pronouncing it wrong. Well, actually, there's a few different ways you could pronounce it. So, so it's all right. unfortunately, Representative Nunes doesn't have at Nunes. That's no. Chase has gotten That's that. me. Yes. But the entire Internet doesn't realize that. And so they have been tweeting at Nunes all of their hate. People are freaking the shit out yes. at Nunes. Yes. It is. They apparently think uh, he's uh, Putin's uh, right-hand guy. Yeah. Wait. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It really is funny. And what I love is, Chase, you're replying. Are you replying to like literally all of them? Uh, Most of them? It was hard today because I got so overwhelmed. Uh, There were, and you know, I'm working, so I can't like just sit on Twitter all day. But like literally, I think I've gotten probably 200 plus, maybe 300 at replies to me lots of retweets from other people not my retweeting but people are retweeting with me in it and then more people tweet more people go on to it as you could see i i got I, a batman facepalm i was just like i don't need i need a drink i was just like oh my god it's been it's, it's been, non-stop yeah so people think you're uh, so apparently uh and it seems it's so funny because if you read the people that are tweeting chase they seem so uninformed they seem so stupid and it's interesting because they seem so stupid so uninformed and yet they are so passionate about the subject yeah and and i and i do get people after i so I I come up with some witty you know comebacks. That's I, the best part, and, dude. Is and, your replies? And that I'm, is the I'm, best part. I'm, I'm replying to all of them. I'm having good <sighs> fun with it, and then I get the responses from most of those people. Who go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to tweet at you. And I go, yeah, that's okay. I, it, it's been happening a lot lately. Uh, this actually might turn into a news story, a, an actual legitimate news story about me being misidentified. That's and too thrown funny. In. It's it's amazing. So. Uh, much to Chase, Chase's chagrin, uh, so Devin Nunes uh, runs to the White House uh, with some exclusive information, which Donald Trump says he feels very vindicated. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Chairman. I somewhat do. I must tell you, I somewhat do. I very much appreciated the fact that uh, uh, they found what they found, but I somewhat do. Now, listen to how this is. This is the reality of television broadcasting. Listen to how the press is now shooed from the room. Okay, press, you've had your time. We're going to go do work, the stuff you never actually get to see. Okay, press. And this is, you know what's funny about this? This is exactly what it's like at a convention. This is exactly what it's like at a press event for technology. Like, it is the same exact business, whether you're covering the latest little gadget or Donald Trump. You just get shooed out of the room by one of the staff members. Shoo-shoo. What they found, but I somewhat do. Thank you, press. Here I'm in the background. Thank you, press. Thank you very much. Thank you, press. Leave the room. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, let's explain press! what we just saw. That's the cabinet room at the White House. The president was asked kind of an unintelligible question as the press was being escorted out. Um, the best we have is he was asked if he feels somewhat vindicated by Nunez, what he had to pass. There you away. go. Another Nunez. So I want to talk about what uh, what Nunes said after his. Uh, after, yeah, what did I say? Yeah, okay. so he he went he goes out and uh, 
He uh, has a he holds a press conference. I I think now this timeline is just happening like as we went it on. It was air. today, yeah, yeah, this afternoon. Uh, but my understanding is right now. And of course, I'll be looking more into this as uh, with the show as the week goes on for for next week. But he goes out after he talks to Donald Trump and holds a press conference outside the White House. A lot of you in the past, but uh, just in order to keep you all fully updated on what's happening uh, with this investigation uh, today, I briefed the. Hey, Chase, next time you're on TV, man, could you give the show a plug, please? Yeah, yeah I will. Sorry about Also, that. I like the new haircut. President, on the concerns that I had about incidental collection and how it uh, relates to uh, President-elect Trump and uh, his transition team and the concerns that I have, as I said earlier, uh, there'll be more information, uh, hopefully by Friday. They- so Adam Schiff has already gone on TV and said that, uh, well, the, He's pissed. our investigation's over. we got to have an uh, independent counsel. This is horrible. This guy is a spokesperson for the president. Adam Schiff, of course, he freaks out about everything. He, I got some great clips in the overtime. Uh, he just he – is, he is super upset. Um, and I, I can't I – can't, I'm not quite sure how to parse this. Is this a partisan Republican running to the president with some information or is this a establishment Republican who's never really been a hu- big, huge fan of Trump all of a sudden realizing that there is real smoke to this fire and it is of such importance that the president needs to be notified right away? See, I thought it was the first. I, I honestly thought that he had some sweet information and boom, you know, he went right to the president and totally, you know, just bypassed everything in procedure. But and if that's true, why not do the why not be the typical politician and play it smooth and let the whole thing play out and then at the end dominate and come out as the as the champion and walk away with so much more political clout. Like if he goes into that entire thing with some super secret information that he knows is going to bust this thing wide open and then he just drops it at the right time, he could dominate that entire political thing that has so much attention that's taking all of the media spotlight. He could be the centerpiece of that entire thing and, and just be this mad like, like, uh, like, totally, because, like, like Frank level. Because he, I think he's looking at a future outside of politics. I think if he goes to Trump's uh, aid and be on his best friend's side, if Trump ends up resigning or in being impeached or, uh, see, or, or think, there's some fallout think, or major I, fallout. I think there is a lens that is distorting your perspective there. I don't I'm think I'm a little that's, pissed off. I'm sorry to say I'm I biased. I, I am super biased against this nudist guy. I hate him. Because let's be honest. I got yeah. a, I got a couple I got yeah. a couple things for you. Yeah. The media is giving Trump an inoculation right now. They are giving him the biggest political win of probably our lifetime. If this Russian narrative falls apart at any point, they are now 9 fucking months in the hole with this Russia stuff. Yeah, that's true. And they this entire thing could fall apart and it will have been obvious that all of this hoopla around Trump and all of it was fake. And the next time Trump does something that is legitimately illegal, that is legitimately scandalous, that is really asinine, he's going to have a get out of jail free card because well, they just made a big deal out of the Russian stuff and that was absolutely nothing. I, I actually think of anything. Trump's not about to resign. He's about to be given a Trump card. It's very possible. Now, it could all fall apart. There could be legitimate connections to the True. Russians. Yeah. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I buy that business people have business relationships and that look a little inconvenient. I buy that. I don't buy that Putin was playing 4D chess and hacking the Democrats before he had even won the general election just so that way he could get his man in office. I don't right. buy it. 
I don't yeah. think he's the Siberian candidate. I think the whole thing started at the Hillary Clinton campaign level and then was picked up by the media there. It was perfect political timing. Politicians never waste an emergency, just like they don't waste 9-11, just like they don't waste Katrina. They never waste a political never opportunity. Do. So they jump on the Russian narrative. Of course, the Democrats, the establishment is going to jump all over it because it covers their massive failure. And of course, there's another group like the Never Trump Republicans that are going to jump all over it because they can attack the president with it. And of course, the CIA is going to jump all over it because they can use that to selectively leak information to damage the president that they don't like. But at the end of the day, there's a faction of people that do seem to want to get this thing actually resolved. And if it gets to a point where there is pretty substantial evidence that Donald Trump was in some some sense surveilled and that there was no connection to the Russians, if these two big things that they have been hounding him now for weeks fall apart, they are inoculating him from future criticism. They are actually undermining our ability to criticize him in the future. And that is way more dangerous because this is a fake contract. Controversy. Right. They are spending their political capital persecuting him on a fake controversy that may end up blowing up in their face. Because you and I, if we're intellectually honest with each other, think it's bullshit. And if this whole thing busts and there's no Russian connection, there's no ties, then this is Trump's get out of jail card. And that is the real damage to, his pre- to, to us because it's giving him a free card for the rest of his presidency. And that's when things could get dangerous. And the man is media savvy enough to know it. See, and that's why I think mainstream media wouldn't go all in on this if there wasn't an ounce of truth. There's got to be something. Right. Exactly. Otherwise, why would they want to give them that gift? I, I, I there's got to be something. There's something. Right. Has would, to be. I mean, if it's Manafort, that's not enough, man, because Manafort is just a business dick. He's just a guy. But that's, the White House has already got out in front of Manafort and said, oh, he wasn't a major part. Well, I mean, bullshit. I know. But, I know. It's but bullshit, I'm just but saying, they were, they were already not, getting it's, it's still not it. enough. They're trying to get in front of it. He, it's still not enough. No, I know. But there's um, got to be something else that we don't know. About. There was something that was interesting in Nunes's, uh, uh, uh Nunes. There was something interesting Devin? in Nunes uh, in, in his press conference. He says the NSA is cooperating, but the FBI is not. To really say until we see it in the show. We knew that there was some incident of collection because Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was caught up talking with Sergey Kislyak. Does this go beyond that, and does this qualify as the sort of wiretapping that the president was tweeting? Well, it, it definitely goes beyond uh, what happened to, to General Flynn. Now, of course, we don't. We don't actually know yet officially what happened to General Flynn. We just know that his name leaked out, uh, but we don't know how it was picked up yet. That's one of the things that we asked for in our March 15th letter uh, was for the NSA, CIA, and FBI uh, to get us all the unmasking uh, that was done. And we, and I'll tell you, NSA is being cooperative, but you know, so far the FBI has not told us whether or not they're going to respond to our March 15th letter, which is now a couple weeks old. Hmm. I think the FBI is sort of sitting back and uh, waiting to see how this thing plays out. Yep. I, I want to know. So it sounds like we're going to get more information on Friday. Okay. And then maybe more information will be trickled out from there. So I'll just keep an eye on it. I'm not really sure what comes next. But it, now it's being reported as possibly substantiated. Uh, I think this domestic spying thing is going to be a, it's, it's a bigger problem. It, it, is a, it is a much bigger problem. Uh, and I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. As they say. Mm. Yes. Now, Mr. Chase, uh, yes, we Chris. are about to roll into the high note. Yes. But there was uh, there was some unfiltered history set last week. That yes, I thought maybe, that's are, right. Do you want to get into that? Yes. So last week, we had our very first ever unfiltered votes. So we uh, we see some feedback about the, the intro. You know, you and I talked about the intro. Yeah, we asked, is the intro too long? Should we get rid of the intro? Should we change it? Should we modify it? 
we had an uh, I would say for a midterm primary, we had a good response. Yeah. We we have a hundred uh, five hundred forty six patrons right now as of this recording, and we received one hundred thirty six votes. Okay. And I also got quite a bit of tweets. Yes, we got a lot of tweets, a lot of comments, uh, and this is public. You guys can go check it out on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash unfilter. But on a 90% margin, 90% say keep it the way it is. I would say that was the bulk of the tweets, too. So, yes, All yes. right, very good. There you have it. And, you know, I thought about it, too. It's like... You know, we do play that clip right at the beginning. So you get the you get the, you get going. You get the episode number. You get the date it was recorded. You get a little hint of what we're talking about. I actually thought, you know what? It's not so bad. But that's not all, Chris. There's one other thing that we do uh, during this segment, yeah, and no, that no, is no, 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 not no, no, talking to no, Obama. No, 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 no. It's headed to the sack. Hey. Yeah. This is the rage at Devin Nunes edition of the sack. <laughs> So uh, I asked uh, Club 33, hey, give us a little some more info. Let us know what you think of the intro. Do you want to see it? Change it? Also, how do you feel about potentially more ties between the Trump administration and Russia? Perhaps. Mm, boom, boom, boom. So Caspar uh, wrote in and said, hey, I, for one, like the intro. It sets the mood. It gets me fired up and ready to go. Cops Rule wrote in and says, hey, Chase, I want to point something out. I think Nancy might be pretty smart. By just babbling and not giving an F about her words, even if she's such a flake and very likely unintentional in doing so, Nancy does say some crazy, unthought-out crap. Yes, Chris? Uh, uh, just, yeah. uh, just to pop in from the booth. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, she, you know, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what Donald Trump does. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Not like what happens to Trump's words or tweets. It seems her thoughts and statements will be reported. However, they are interpreted. This makes me... S- yeah, yeah, yeah. She oh, did yeah, last boost. week ask if ironic was a word. That is kind of a different kind of level. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. The most we can do is call her out and ridicule her. Misrepresentations of fact, no matter how minuscule. I love the Oh Nancy segment, but maybe it needs a less specious name. Right. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, ben Lloyd writes in and says, your intro fits the show wonderfully. I say don't change a thing. You always pick great opening clips, and the music fits everything perfectly. Hey, Chase. Yes. Chase. Um, Chase? Yes. Uh, yes. Are, are these all about the intro? Because we already know we're keeping the intro. Uh, there were two about the intro, then one was about the other. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a comment for me and this segment in my sack... And you're already a 33 Club 33 patron. Look for my announcement sent over Patreon every oh. week on Wednesday right yeah, before man. the show. You can submit your feedback. I have a suggestion. Yes. All right. Let's, let's officially close the sack and I'll propose it. You ready? All right. And All right. Uh, become a member today. Patreon.com. <laughs> All right. So my thought for next uh, week's feedback is um, what should I name the Onancy segment? So the Onancy segment is the, something we do in the overtime at the top of the overtime recently to sort of uh, catalog the rot of the establishment section of the Democratic Party to illustrate why we need to purge a certain section of the Democrats if we ever want to see the Democrats win a single election again. So I, that, this is the Onancy segment because Nancy Pelosi is sort of the face of this multi-headed beast. <laughs> uh, that's a quick way of saying it. So we yes, need, a, we need, a, we need a, like a title for the Onancy. So maybe could we put that in the sack next week? So people, uh, I will ask people what we should call the overtime Onancy segment yeah yeah now also uh, i got oh geez i should have talked to you ahead of time so a couple of bits of thingies i am leaving next thursday oh so we'll be here for the show but i am leaving for texas next thursday i will be on the road on the fifth 
Right. And then the following week. I'm also going to be on the road, but I kind of feel like I'll have enough time where I could do some prep and stuff like that. So if if we would do like maybe like a one-off episode, like I could Skype into your studio. We could okay. do from your place. Yeah. yeah and, you know, because I can't switch and do all that stuff. But there won't I mean, but I – I could probably I could probably Skype in. I might even be able to play a clip or two. I don't okay. know. Or send you a couple of clips or something. Yeah, I don't know. We could try something out. But or we just do a you know, maybe we'll just have like a one off discussion episode. I don't know. So it, it's all up in the air because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be arriving in Texas on the fifth, which would be our, our, our first episode in April. And then I'll be on my way back from Texas on the twelfth. So my plan is to use the tenth and eleventh to find a place to park, get good reception, to be able to do a Skype call to you or all something right. like that. So cool. we can Skype into your studio. So we'll talk more about that off air. Okay. But it does mean we won't have an episode on April fifth. Right. So, so we're going to next week, last episode of March, we will yes. be here the following yeah. week. We will not. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we love you. We miss you. And thank you for your support at patreon.com slash unfilter. All right. So, Mr. Chase, yes. we have only one clip in the high note. Going to keep it tight this week as we get out of here. But I did think this was kind of an interesting proposal because in Washington state where we have recreational. Weed. Recreational marijuana. Uh, the recreational marijuana is um, regulated by our liquor board. Yeah. Well, it's the Liquor and Cannabis Board. Yeah. Now, yeah, that's right. They've, that's right. they've, they've changed the name. They've upgraded. Yeah. Well, um, there's another state that just wants to just combine the two stores. Just make it one store. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah. One shot. A number of Massachusetts liquor stores want a piece of the pot pie. Once retail sales are <laughs> Pot pie, Chase. You see, Chase, that is, <laughs> is that um, a, play on words it's, it's a pun. Yeah, 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 that's a pun, Chase. Yeah. What they did is yeah, very good. pot pie is usually represented as like you could – well, actually, that doesn't make any sense. Should send uh, Devin Nunes. It's, it's a pie chart, right? It's a piece of the pie, but they say uh, – Hit play, Chris. Pot pie. <laughs> Once retail sales of marijuana begins, some liquor store owners have expressed interest in a one-stop shop business model offering both alcohol and legalized marijuana. Now, I kind of feel like that's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of mixing, man. See, I, I don't know about that. So the only that, thing that I would suspect good. is because here's what I suspect. Now, I, I, for me, like I drink a couple of beers, dude, and I have the worst gut ache the next day. It's one of the reasons I can't do beers taste anymore. So I, I, but here's what I would think, right? You're smoking a lot of weed. It starts to affect the memory. How are you keeping track of how many drinks you're having? That just seems like a bad combo in my estimation. Like if your memory, you ever like, watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Uh, no, I haven't, but I've been told I should. Okay, you really should. But huh. there's there's an episode where one of the characters, uh, they're trying to uh, regenerate this uh, thing uh, with Wade Boggs and doing a lot of drinking on an airplane. And what you do to keep track, Chris, is you just get a permanent marker and a white T-shirt, and you just start <laughs> marking your shirt, you see, and then you'll know. You'll know. You just Mark look at your shirt, what? and you're like, oh, I've had four beers. That's actually a seriously good pro tip. There you go. Unfiltered advice, everybody. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Alcohol and legalized marijuana. The Massachusetts Package Store Association voted unanimously in support of the joint venture, giving liquor store owners permission to apply for dispensary licenses. According to the Boston Herald, the association plans to remain neutral on the issue. A new Cannabis Control Commission will determine regulations for pot shop licensing. The commission shall issue licenses first to applicants with the most experience operating medical marijuana treatment centers and then by lottery among qualified applicants. 53% of voters approved a ballot initiative last year to legalize marijuana in Massachusetts. Adults 21 and over will be allowed to possess and use limited amounts of marijuana and grow as many as a dozen marijuana plants in their homes. Whoa! Wow! 12 plants? That's a shit ton! Oh, man. Whoa! 
Well, hey, when you're not smoking the weed or drinking the beer or <laughs> hanging out on Twitter, maybe you can head over to our unfiltered <laughs> subreddit at unfilter.reddit.com. Yeah, yeah, man. Also, we've launched a new unfiltered IRC chat yeah, room. that's right. It's still on irc.geekshed.net, but it's now you go to Poundshine Unfilter. Wow. And, you know, the Unfilter show has grown so much that we're thinking it's time. It's actually probably past time to have a dedicated spot for the community. And I would love. This is long-term stuff, guys. Bigly vision here. Bigly? Maybe when breaking news happens, you could find discussions about breaking news in that chat room. That's amazing. And then imagine that becoming a resource for the show because we could go back with time logs and track links in real time, get oh, news. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Good point. So we got a new IRC chat room. It's going 24 7, irc.geekshed.net, pound, Jupiter Brog. Uh, no. Pound unfiltered. unfiltered. There is also yeah. the Jupiter Broadcasting chat room, which is also it's still, still there. And if yeah. you go to the website and use the chat room right. there, it will join you to both automatically. And the new unfiltered chat room is the one we are featuring in the video. That's right, of the show. So yes. that's the only way to get in there. All right, Mr. Chase. If people want to check out your hilarious and yet somewhat dramatic Twitter feed this week, where <laughs> yes. should they go? Follow me at Nunes. N-U-N-E-S. Thank That's, you, Mr. It's Nunes. just that. That's it. Nothing else. Oh. Also, uh, hey, hit me up on our uh, my Discord, ggtvdiscord.com. It's a gaming oh. chat room with voice and all that. Chris, your trip is going to have, no doubt, a lot of video. Oh, dude. You're going to be tweeting dude. a lot of stuff, pictures, Dude, you see the new, you see the new drone shots in the latest vlog? You should check it out. YouTube.com wow. slash Chris Fisher. That's my name, at Chris L-E-S. And tune in the Linux Action Show this Sunday. It's going to be a big show. Big Thanks show. so much for this week's episode of the Unfiltered Program. We'll be live next week at jblive.tv. Get it converted to your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar and slash contact your emails. See you right back here next, next week. week. Unfilter is not over yet. In fact, some would say we're just getting started because it's time for the Unfilter Overtime brought to you by Patreon.com. Thank you to our patrons. This goes out to all of you and the news. The noobs that have signed up. Two of you. <laughs> Yay. But thank you, Adam and Tony the Leg. That's a really, really good nickname. I like that, Tony. Nice call. Thank you for being our new two NetWin patrons this week. We work super hard for you two, let me tell you, this week. So thank you very much for supporting the show. It's a dedicated to you. Dedicated to all our supporters at patreon.com slash homefilter. Hey, Silaboos! Well, I appreciate it. Now, if you sign up and don't hear your name, make sure you let me know. Now, sometimes it happens if you sign up a day, the day we do the show, you might go in the next show, too. All right, so, last week, I tried to shape up O'Nancy. The new controversial segment on the show, ladies and gentlemen. The one that's generating all of the controversy. So, after last week's episode, I get a very pleasant tweet. Something to the effect of, at Chris Elias, why don't you stop talking about Nancy so much and start talking about the people in power? Implying that we we don't talk about Donald Trump on this show. 
I always enjoyed people's different reality perspectives because it's it's interesting to hear like from a perspective somebody thinks we don't talk about Trump like wow that's that's neat that's really different than my perspective that's great that's really great but it also shows that the O Nancy segment still remains a bit controversial and I thought maybe you might be wondering why is Chris talking about Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters so much. Why has he created the O Nancy segment? Is it just because O Nancy might have dementia and she's losing it? Is it because she's a drunk? Is it because she's on some sort of medication? A Botox OD? There's all kinds of reasons you might be thinking Chris is covering this. And the reality is, it's because I believe, just like Lindsey Graham and John McCain are a systemic rot of the Republican Party, I believe the established Democrats, the establishment Democrats, are rotting the Democratic Party. Your Chuck Schumer's. Your Nancy Pelosi's, your Maxine Waters, for example. And in fact, I really haven't even mentioned the biggest name of them all in these segments. Hillary Clinton, the Clintons. The Clintons represent the biggest rot of the Democrat Party. And, and, and the reason why the Democrats suffered such major losses this last round. So that might be why I talk about this. I thought I was going to let it go, though. It's time to move on. It's time to let it be. I had made my point. Friends, after what I saw, I know I I now know my mission is clear. I must never let this horse be I must never let this horse rest. I must never move on. We must continue our struggle against the establishment. After I saw Okay. Alright, I might be getting a little carried away. After I saw After I saw Hillary Clinton say this. You know, I'm, I'm like a lot of my friends right now. I have huh? a hard time watching the news, I'll confess. <laughs> so I was thinking, like, okay, what do we do? You know, I kind of laugh, too, because, <laughs> first of all, the gal, if you're watching the video version that's sitting here, um, she's, she's a hell of a gal. And she is, her face the whole time is great. She's making comments. It's great. So a little extra entertainment there. But the the special irony in that Hillary Clinton statement right there is the news is a lot of Trump, Trump, Trump and Trump, Russia, Trump, Russia connections, Trump, Russia collusion, uh, hacking the election. This one of the primary predominant narratives of our news, which is very hard to watch, which she just makes commentary of. The irony of that would be that that was planted by her campaign. Do you see the irony there? There's there's a certain amount of irony. (laughs) You know, walk in the woods. <laughs> no, you can only do so much of that. <laughs> what can we do to try to bring people together? Yeah, you're great at that. And to try to find that common money. ground. Money, 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 money. Higher ground, sister. Oh, I believe her. She wants to bring people together with money. So that we listen to each other again. Yeah. And we know that we can make a difference. It almost sounds like she's rambling, although you can tell she's reading. But it's impressive that she manages to take a written speech and make it sound like rambling. I'm not sure it will come out of Washington yet, but I think it could come out of Scranton. Oh, shit. Did you just say that, girl? That's right, girl. Scranton, girl. Scranton. And I am ready to... uh, you know, come out of the woods. OMG, OMG, OMG. What? It's awfully great, right? Because she's been working on this image of her going on hikes, showing up at restaurants. So she's got all these lines. I'm ready to come out of the woods because she's planted that all to begin with. 
and we know that we can make a difference. I'm not sure it will come out of Washington yet, but I think it could come out of Scranton. And... And I am ready to, uh, you know, come out of the woods. <laughs> and to help shine a light on what is already happening around kitchen tables at dinners like this. That's how we go. Uh, that's how we roll. Well, she's going to have herself some competition because I think Obama wants a, a top Democrat job there. But uh, let's just say if you're going to come out, Clinton, and try to be the new leader of the Democratic Party, uh, you're just going to lead it to failure again. It's, it's shocking. It's shocking that she just can't learn when to quit. Her family doesn't care about the Democratic Party. Her family doesn't care about the United States of America's citizens. They don't care about any of that stuff. They care about money. Money, 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 money. That's what they care about. They want the monies. They want all the money. That's what they care about. It's incredible. And that's why I feel like I can't let up on this whole thing. Because it's, it, it, unless we get rid of this toxic plague, the Democrats are going to keep losing elections. And the Republicans are going to keep winning elections. And if anything Trump is doing right now bothers you, or if any if anything that the Republicans are doing with Obamacare or the environment, if any of that stuff bothers you, then I can't see how you disagree with me. Now it's funny because this guy he tweeted me; he was obviously a, he was a Democrat. He wanted me talking. He he thought I should be bashing the Republicans and leaving the Democrats alone since they weren't in power. And I had an exchange back and forth with him, and I said something tells me you would be much happier if I was talking about Trump. We talk about this, and we talk about the Trump stuff, obviously, but we talk about this because if this doesn't get fixed, if that woman runs again, well, then the people who don't like Trump are going to be way more fucked than they are right now. It's just, you're, you're, you're just getting the tip right now. The tip, I say. Hillary Clinton running for president, coming out of the woods, getting involved in politics. And I am ready to, uh, you know, come out of the woods. <laughs> Yeah, let me tell you something. That is not something to be celebrating. Uh, no. No. Oh, okay, so instead of picking on Nancy, let's pick on another establishment Democrat that is destroying the party's reputation with the voters and uh, makes them look like a bunch of liars. When leaked emails last year showed that Donna Brazile had shared CNN town hall questions in advance with the Clinton campaign, and this was while she was a CNN contributor and the DNC's vice chair, I called her, and she insisted to me that she hadn't leaked the questions. In other words... She lied to me. Donna Brazil this week essentially admitted it, sort of. Brazil now admits in a Time essay to sharing the questions with the Hillary camp, saying sending those emails was a mistake. Actually, she didn't admit to sharing the questions, um, Howard. She admitted to sharing the topics, which is not the same thing because the topics are known ahead of time. going to be brilliant, though. If she can swing the narrative to Donna Brazil shared the topics just brilliant stroke. It's like Trump-level manipulation of the narrative. You admit it. Yeah, I did something. I shared the topics. And then it's what happened. Yeah, Donna, Admil, Donna Brazil admits that she shared the topics. She finally admitted it. Now, they're starting to get honest. You know, the Democratic Party, they're starting to admit their flaws. They're starting to acknowledge what they did wrong, and they're moving on because she admitted she shared the topics. It's taken care of. It's fine now. No, it's not. 
She didn't share the topics. She shared a specific question about the death penalty. That's a huge difference. I will forever regret, but she does not apologize, especially to CNN, the network she betrayed, and to the journalists she deceived, sadly, including me. Oh, poor Howie. Poor Howie. He's a little, little upset that... Uh, Donna Brazil lied to him, probably because he's a C-level media personality. Yeah, I'm just guessing. All right, I can't help myself. We got a little Pelosi in here. You tweeted yesterday, President Trump cannot be allowed to feel as if he can simply say whatever he wants despite a lack of evidence. <laughs> Do you think the president was outlied, outright lying about the wiretapping claims? Either that or he didn't know what he was talking about. Love that. Uh, because, uh, first of all, the president, President Obama, would not do that. No, no, of course not. No, no. Now, he might spy on Angela Merkel. <laughs> uh, also, the Brazilian president and just about all of our other allies, including environmental conferences, the U.N. He might spy on but, uh, but, uh, but a Republican presidential candidate? Donald, no, 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 no. Cannot do that, and he has nothing uh, to support the claim that he has made. You said he should apologize. Do, do, yes. Does it surprise you to hear that the White House is standing by the claim? No, no. But I mean, this is the same president who said he's won uh, the popular vote because he had three to five million people voting illegally. No basis for that. No, he didn't. No, the Democrats did. They brought him in on buses. It was something in the Veritas tapes. I don't expect you to know about it. That he had a bigger crowd than Barack Obama, whatever else he has to say. It's really kind of sad. Do you think he just says these things? And I mean, he used to say things and then just kind of move on from them and never address them again. Well, he's up the ante. When you decide that you're going to say that a president of the United States has wiretapped you, which you know, which isn't true, and you have, you have invited comment. The irony is, is Nancy Pelosi herself is probably being monitored. <laughs> probably all being monitored, right? Uh, but it doesn't matter, because they're still going to get Trump. They're still going to get him. They're going to impeach him. Just ask Maxine. The truth comes out that even the right-wing conservatives who are defending Trump at this point are going to be able to stand with him. So the media can't help themselves with Maxine and Nancy because what they say is so juicy. Nancy says, or Nancy, oh, that's good, guys. <laughs> uh, Maxine Pelosi's. Uh, no, so Nancy says things like the president doesn't know what he's talking about. The president doesn't know what he's talking about. That's how she says it, right? And, of course, Maxine says things like the, uh, the Kremlin clan and uh, impeach the president. They're just, they just say these ridiculous things that the media loves, and so they can't help but bring them on. In fact, she, Joy here is even at the end of this clip going to admit that. They can't help but bring these women on because they just say these most ridiculous things. And they, just like by covering this story the way – the media, the way the media covers Trump and the Russians and uh, the collusion and all of this to a certain demographic, and it's a larger and larger one all the time, they're undermining their credibility constantly. Just like they undermine their credibility during the coverage of the election, they now undermine their credibility by freaking out about no evidence over a wiretapping claim. Freaking out. There's constantly the unproven, no evidence, unsubstantiated, the false claim. They constantly are calling out the false claim of wiretapping by the president, but never have an issue with a total absence of evidence about any connections that are of any – any like any connections really. It's just – because Manafort is a dick. They, the whole thing is, is a perfect case example of when they get all up in arms about proof and evidence and have to have the sources and, and, in, and with another story, don't need any evidence, don't need any sources. A few unnamed CIA officials is fine. Thank you very much. And now we'll run the story for nine months. 
And so as the public, we can see this because it's literally happening right in front of our faces. We, we can just – we have to do nothing but watch it and process the information that comes in. And it's obvious that they are undermining their own credibility in, in just their double standard approach to two different stories. Just like Maxine then comes on to these networks and looks like a fool and she's here rep- representing an important aspect of the Democratic Party just like Nancy does. So it, just like Lindsey Graham does for the Republicans. But because they say such outrageous things, they keep giving them platforms. Every week I now have multiple clips of these two individuals ranting and raving. This is an eight-minute clip that I have cut down to 50 seconds for you. Ranting and raving because they say anything and the media loves it. The truth comes out that even the right wing conservatives who are defending Trump at this point are going to be able to stand with him. They claim to be patriots and they claim that they're more patriotic than a lot of other people. We're going to see who the real patriots are That's right. when we unveil this collusion that I believe is there. And I think in the final analysis. Now, there has been a newness has come out, even Schiff has admitted it. Uh, Clapper has said it. There is no evidence that shows collusion ties. Like that's that's pretty damning when the two guys running the investigation, well, at least on one side of it, and Clapper himself have come out and said, uh, oh, and, and also Comey. Comey said it too. There's no there's no ties of collusion. But she here she is. Here she is still saying it. The truth comes out that even the right wing conservatives who are defending Trump at this point are going to be able to stand with him. They claim to be patriots and they claim that they're more patriotic than a lot of other people. We're going to see who the real patriots are when we unveil this collusion that I believe is there. And I think in the final analysis, they're going to have to move away from from him and we will see uh, that they being his supporters I guess he will be in a position where he will meet the standards and the criteria for higher crimes and misdemeanors so Joy is saying yeah before she even knows because he can't really know you never know what Nancy's going to say next she's just yeah yeah. I think in the final analysis, they're going to have to move away from him, and we will see uh, that he will be in a position where he will meet the standards yeah. and the criteria for higher crimes and misdemeanors, and I maintain that's where impeachment comes in. Wow. Uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Wow, she says. Wow. Wow. I've, that is so unhinged. I have nothing else to say. Wow. Uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters never minces any words. That's why we'd love to have you on the show. By the way. You say the craziest shit. That's why we'd love to have you on this show. Maxine Waters never minces any words. That's why we'd love to have you on the show. By the way, uh, you also be following uh, Congresswoman Waters at Maxine Waters, uh, one of the hottest follows because she's-, she's also got some super crazy ass shit on her Twitter feed, like a picture of Trump's Kremlin clan where it has Julian Assange in the picture. Because Julian Assange, remember, is a subsidiary of the Kremlin. Always got a lot to say. Thank you very much. Really appreciate your representative. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for all the great ratings. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks. Nancy Pelosi would have made that interview, but she was busy trying to start a chant and failing badly. And by the way, I think he's the best governor in the United States of America. Too. Damn right. Damn right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, Joe, Joe, yeah, Joe. Problem is, you're not there to talk about Joe. You're not supposed to be talking about Joe. Stop talking about Joe. We're trying to get this guy, this governor elected because the Democrats have gotten their asses beat so bad. We need to get this guy in. Stop talking about Joe. Nancy, get in here. They're talking about Joe. Nancy, we got to do something. They're chanting Joe. 
Nancy, protect our care. Protect our care. Protect our care. Protect our care. Oh. Protect our care. Thank Boy, that's really not taking off, is it? Thank you, Mr. Vice President, for helping to pass the bill. Yeah, no, shut up. I'm trying to do something here. Of course, Joe. Joe, well, he's Uncle Joe. And for being with us today and continuing the fight mm. to protect our care. Thank I you, ain't going anywhere. This is not going to pass. <laughs> that's right. Joe! Yeah, shut up, Joe. Oh, man. The healthcare stuff is a real crap show, huh? See, if you were somebody who followed Trump and you are a Trump supporter and you don't buy all this uh, Russian propaganda, you don't buy all this collusion stuff, the one thing that's probably bothering you about the Trump administration now is the shit with the healthcare bill. And I thought this exchange with Rand Paul was pretty great. You want to go to Capitol Hill? Senator from Kentucky, member of the Foreign Relations Committee, Rand Paul. Senator, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning. We are going to get to health care in just a moment, but first want to get your reaction you. to the words Senator John McCain had for you from the Senate floor yesterday. Let's okay. I note this, the senator from Kentucky leaving the floor without justification or or any rationale for the action that he has just taken. That is really remarkable. That a senator blocking a treaty that is supported by the overwhelming number, perhaps 98 at least, of his colleagues would come to the floor and object and walk away. And walk away. The only conclusion you can draw when he walks away is he has no argument to be made. He has no justification for his objection to having a small nation be part of NATO that is under assault from the Russians. So I repeat again, the senator from Kentucky is now working for Vladimir Putin. <laughs> there it is, guys. Now, if McCain hasn't, if, if it wasn't the huge tie that was uh, giving it away, it would seem McCain really has really lost it. Working for Vladimir Putin. <laughs> so, Senator, a little context, wow. uh, context around wow. that. The, the vote was around putting uh, Montenegro into NATO. What's your reaction to Senator McCain's characterization of your objection? Also that tie. Well, you know, I think he makes a really, really strong case, you know, for term limits. Not what you thought he was going to say, was it? Oh, my God, that was good. That was – and, you know, he delivered that. Like, he paused. Like, he 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 nailed the timing on that. Action to Senator McCain's characterization of your objection. Well, you know, I think he makes a really, really strong case, you know, for term limits. Um, I think maybe he's uh, <laughs> past his prime. I think maybe he's gotten a little bit unhinged. No. I, do think that, uh, I do think that when we talk about NATO, there can be a rational discussion about the pros and cons of expanding it. We currently have uh, troops, combat troops in about six nations. We have uh, troops actively just stationed in probably a couple dozen others. We have a $20 trillion debt. 
And one of my favorite articles of the last couple of years was one that talked about the angry McCains. And if they, if we put active troops and got involved in combat where McCain wants us to be, they put a little angry McCain on the globe, on the map, and it's virtually everywhere. So his foreign policy is something that would greatly endanger the United States, greatly overextend us. And there has to be the thought whether or not it's in our national interest to pledge to get involved with war if, if Montenegro has a, an altercation with anyone. There's also another argument is that when you ask the people of Montenegro, only about 40% or slightly less are actually in favor of this. Whoa. They are close to Russia. They're close to being sort of like Ukraine in the transition from Europe to Asia. Perhaps it would be good to be like Switzerland and be more neutral and trade with both. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of considerations, but to call someone uh, somehow an enemy of the state or a traitor uh, might be considered by most reasonable people to be a little over the top. Well, Senator, you just called John McCain unhinged. You said he was past his prime. Why do you think so many other senators have voted in favor of this measure if it's so crazy? <laughs> I think that there is a bipartisan consensus that's incorrect that we should have the whole world in NATO. For example, if we had Ukraine and Georgia in NATO, and this is something McCain and the other neocons have advocated for, uh, we would be at war now. Uh, because it's Russia true. has invaded both of them. And so I think having former uh, satellites or former parts of the Soviet Union in NATO is very provocative. And you have to decide in advance whether you're ready to go to war. If you guys are ready to send a million troops into Ukraine and uh, fight World War III, uh, you're going to do it without my support because I think that's a really foolish notion. Do you think center places like Albania and Croatia then should have been allowed into NATO? And so this questioning, obviously, not super... Uh, related to the Health Care Act, like I thought it was going to be. Probably I was the one who unilaterally stopped them from rushing Georgia in a couple years ago. And uh, I look at that as that maybe I was... Hey, 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 this is titled health care. Let's have buying groups. Let's say... Here we go. Here's the health care. He was running on, oh, we'll give you half as many uh, subsidies, half as many taxes, and instead of paying the individual mandate to the government, you have to pay it to the insurance company. None of us ran on that. No conservative is for his plan. And so I think his plan's dead on arrival. My hope is it never leaves the House. Hmm. And my hope is that we separate repeal from replace because, you know, there are some great ideas that could have bipartisan support. I've been talking to Democrats all week about, let's have buying groups. Let's say, you know, AARP has 37 million people. What if we let them become a buying group? What if you let small businesses like me get together with other really small businesses and have a buying group? Like, I'm just in this weird, awkward business size where I just get screwed. I just get screwed um, as, a, as a small business owner, as a self-employed person, and at the size of my business. I just get screwed all around. Screwed, I say. It makes me want to move to Canada because, you know what, I could probably podcast just as easily from Canada as I can from the United States. One thing that I wanted to try to cover in the overtime, which I feel like probably would go in the main show if we had more really good audio on this. I have a couple of reports, and so I'm going to play this one. And it helps if, you, if, you, if you're at a computer right now and you could play along. I would like you to look up Israel on a map. And see where it is in relation to Syria. And then I would like to ask the question, why do we not hear more about Israel and ISIS and the situation in Syria? Seems kind of like oddly like Israel has been completely out of the conversation, completely out of the dialogue. 
Um, well, until this week. Moving on, a Syrian surface-to-air missile has been shot down by Israel this Friday. That's the first time the Tel Aviv government has used its advanced arrow anti-missile technology. It comes as tensions are ratcheted up between the two neighbours after Israel carried out a string of airstrikes on Syrian soil. The Assad regime has deployed air defence systems and fired several missiles targeting Israeli jets in retaliation. Shirley Sidmon reports. Here's tangible proof of the latest military confrontation between Israel and Syria, a rocket that fell in neutral Jordanian territory between... Whoa, 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 file, whoa, file. At night, we heard a loud explosion in the sky and then heard something fall on the ground. We went outside the house and then we saw what had happened. Investigators believe the rocket is a Syrian S-200. Its goal was to strike down an Israeli jet, which had just bombed a Syrian military post. Syria says Israeli jets flying over Lebanon and into its territory targeted a military post between Homs and Palmyra. In a rare move, the Israeli army has confirmed its raid in Syria. It says its goal was to destroy an advanced weapons convoy being transferred to the armed Hezbollah group. Yeah, that's their big concern and um, their big claim to having the authorization to take action like this is that its uh, weapons are getting to Hezbollah. The um, the thing that's sort of uh, – and not in this report but is uh, very – it's very um, – Stark, when you hear it, is Israel says that if they see another rocket, they will destroy all of Syria's air capabilities. They will destroy all of it. They will. They actually. The, the I believe the quote was, "We will not hesitate a moment to destroy all of your air capabilities." Man, they're not. They're not screwing around. I mean, that is a who. That is a threat. Like, don't screw with us. We will destroy all of your shit. Syria's President Bashar Assad has told RT that the White Helmets Rescue Group is part of the terror network Al-Qaeda. Responding to a question from one of our reporters, the Syrian leader gave a particularly forthright answer. White Helmets are Al-Qaeda. This is a huge claim, uh, that the White Helmets are Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda members. I haven't heard this, although it doesn't really shock me. I don't know why, but I had not heard this accusation before. And that's proven on the, on the net. The same well, members are killing... Uh, or executing or celebrating over dead bodies. At the same time, they are humanitarian heroes. Okay, well, I have seen that, actually. Uh, that is true. I have. That is a weird thing. You can find them celebrating. Uh, yeah, that is okay. And now they have Oscar, as you know. Well, the White Helmets are media favorites and have been widely praised in the West for their humanitarian work in Syria's Aleppo. They recently featured, too, in an Oscar-winning documentary. However, yeah. the group has long been embroiled in controversy, too, such as when uh, they celebrated the, the celebrated rescuers were caught on camera waving black flags and chanting Islamist slogans. They're accused uh, also of lacking correct medical expertise. <laughs> Middle East. Out of all of the quote unquote dictators out there, like your Bashir al Assad's or your, uh, well, I guess Gaddafi. He's not around anymore, is he? But uh, none of them scare the hell out of me like Erdogan. 
And I think the thing that bothers me the most about Erdogan is the U.S. media makes this huge boogeyman out of Putin or Assad or even Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong. But they don't uh, they don't really ever mention Turkey or Erdogan, who is who is seizing power like a madman. Uh, more trouble brewing. Turkey's presidents again compared Europe to the Nazis and are directly accused Angela Merkel of Nazi practices. EU leaders have been quick, of course, then, to respond to these scathing accusations. They would revive gas chambers and concentration camps if they weren't ashamed. Jesus. What kind of... That is some, that is some, intense, that is some intense rhetoric. And uh, to me, it feels like it must be pointed directly at Angela Merkel. It feels like that's that's taking a shot right at Germany. That is their mentality. They are disturbed when they say that this is Nazi mentality. NATO member, everybody. We cannot accept that our citizens are incited against each other. This, by the way, is uh, Martin Schulz, who is the German Social Democratic Party leader. Nazi comparisons. This is the case for all countries in Europe. That's why we should say with clear words to Mr. Erdogan that he cannot continue like this. Germany's foreign minister earlier said Turkey is now further than ever from joining the EU. Our Europe correspondent Peter Oliver has more on the deteriorating relations. It seems at the moment like each new week brings a new barrage of Nazi name-calling coming from Ankara, from Turkey, towards European nations. This week, it does seem that it's Germany that's come in for uh, President Erdogan's ire. We've also seen the, one of the main Turkish newspapers run with a, a front cover uh, depicting German Chancellor Angela Merkel as, uh, as Adolf Hitler. <laughs> God! Like, uh, really? That's what we do now? And then well, we're talking about crazy dictators. Tonight, North Korea, warning of a preemptive strike from its accelerated nuclear and missile program. On top of a fiery North Korean propaganda video, portraying their troops supposedly blowing up the USS Carl Vinson, the aircraft carrier now on military exercises with South Korea. A new response to Secretary of State Rex Tillerson's tough talk about a military option. Can you say whether you think that's a dangerous escalation, sir? No Tillerson, just back from Asia, now walking into a diplomatic firestorm at home after his surprise decision to go to Russia, but skip his first NATO summit, the military alliance created to defend the West against Russia. A snub NATO's secretary general at the Pentagon today with Defense Secretary Mattis is sidestepping diplomatically. But experts say will be most welcomed by Vladimir Putin. Do you really want your first trip to Europe to be to Moscow and not to the NATO alliance? I just think that's a, that's a bad message. Tillerson was already playing damage control for President Trump, who in just the last few days has insulted NATO's most important allies, Germany's Angela Merkel on Friday, and then British intelligence, which the White House falsely accused of wiretapping Trump Tower. And now this. There's no substitute for going to Brussels, to NATO headquarters, to having all the ministers around the table, because the American Secretary of State is the most powerful and is considered by the others to be the leader of the group. Tillerson meets here tomorrow with NATO ministers on a U.S. strategy against ISIS. But that is not likely to take away the sting that European leaders feel from the snub that they see against an historic Western alliance. Oh, my God. She had to get a mention in there, didn't she? You know, if it, oh, my God, don't get me started. I don't even I don't even want to. But that Andrea did it. She did it. 
She opened up the Obama Gate. Hello, everybody. The uh, the Obama Gate is, uh, of course, my uh, my uh, my quick. I guess I could call it wiretap gate. I guess that could be another quick little uh, cute term for it. Uh, I will call it wired Obama wiretap gate. I don't know. We need a name, guys. You got to help me with the name. I'm not, I'm not a name guy. That's why I do bang suggest for the titles. Uh, you know, could be a name guy. Let's go this direction. As we get into uh, wiretap gate, our buddy Lindsey Graham. Maybe he could be a name guy. Now, I now I know Lindsay's been doing this for a while. If, if you know, if he's got, a, I don't know what I don't know if he's taking like maybe popping a few painkillers and having a couple glasses of wine at lunch. I don't know exactly, but you be the judge about what's going on in the country uh, with President uh, Trump. Uh, 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 now, about what's going on in the country uh, with President uh, Trump. Yeah. Whether you like him or you don't. I should say, by the way, this is at Neil Gorsuch's uh, uh, Senate confirmation hearing. He's talking to Neil. He is president. But you have said several times that he is not above the law as president. Is that correct? Yes, Senator. You told Senator Leahy if there was a law passed that a Muslim could not serve in the military, you believe, based on current law, that would be an illegal <clears throat> act. Senator, yes, I, I see that having all sorts of constitutional problems under current law. So if we have laws on the book that prevent waterboarding, do you agree with me that the Detainee Treatment Act prevents waterboarding? This is, of course, a John McCain issue that the water boy here, Lindsey Graham, is an advocate for simply because uh, Sith Lord Master John McCain tells him to be. But – uh, it's, it's interesting because it sounds like he almost expects Trump to start waterboarding. Now, I know Trump has made comments about it in the past, uh, but it sounds like they expect this to be coming and they're almost preparing themselves for this eventuality. Like they need all of these these uh, escape hatches, these eject buttons for impeachment. Like Maxine Waters has got hers. Lindsey Graham, he's building his case. Yes, Senator. That's my, my recollection of it. Firmly. So in case President Trump is watching – which it may very well be. And that's the moment I thought, maybe he's a little drunk. That little sway he did there. I thought maybe he's, I mean, you know, fine. Good for Lindsay. You know what? Good for him. Which it may very well be. One, you did a good job picking Judge Gorsuch. Number two, <laughs> here's the bad part. <laughs> if you start waterboarding people, you may get impeached. Oh, He's talking directly to the Donald there, isn't he? Good job picking Judge Gorsuch. He's talking. One, you did a good. Hold on. Let me go back a little further. What you may very well be. Who? Who? who what you? Uh, what? In case President Trump is watching. Oh, in case President. So now he's. Now Lindsey Graham is just going to talk directly using the television networks directly to Donald Trump. What you may very well be. One, you did a good job picking Judge Gorsuch. <laughs> Number two, here's the bad part. If you start waterboarding people, you may get impeached. Is that a fair summary? Senator- now, <laughs> what? I, I feel like Lindsay like, wanted to do a little showboating, but then lost steam and had no idea what to say after that. Like He thought that far, but then didn't think how to get himself out of it. Of course he's not going to be able to answer this question. That is... Is that a fair summary? <laughs> you see that double blink he does there? Oh, shit, I'm trapped. Oh, shit. 
oh shit, I don't know what to say next. I just wanted to do my little showboat in front of Donald Trump. Now I don't know what to say. Shit. You may get impeached. Is that a fair summary? <laughs> Senator, the impeachment power belongs to this body. Okay, that's even better. Would he be subject to prosecution? Senator, I'm not going to speculate. Yeah, but he's not, not above the law. No man is above the law. Okay. <gasps> no man. Thank you. Thank I think you, you're a man of the law. And I really want to congratulate the president to pick you. Quite frankly, I was worried about who he'd pick. Now, this next part is so great. I, I, uh, I mean, remember, Lindsey Graham's a Republican. He's one of the top Republicans. It's the same team. Maybe somebody on TV. <laughs> can you, can you, I mean, that's. Maybe somebody on TV. That's good. <laughs> but that's good, dude. That's good. But President Trump could not have done better in choosing you. All right, so Lindsey Graham is setting up his case for impeachment, too. You know, just in case. The Associated Press reported today, and this was discussed in the, in the uh, White House briefing, that President Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, secretly worked for a Russian oligarch, a Russian billionaire, to push the interests of the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. And the AP further reports that Manafort proposed an ambitious political strategy to undermine anti-Russian opposition across former Soviet republics, and that he eventually signed a $10 million annual contract beginning in the year 2006. The reporter who worked on that story is Jeff Horowitz, and he's live with us uh, outside the White House this afternoon. Uh, this was allegations that Paul Manafort had worked for Russian interests, but had said he did not, right? That's absolutely true. So. Uh, oh, absolutely. Manafort, uh, who was Trump's campaign chairman for a crucial five months, uh, it went, including the Republican convention, has said that his work in Eastern Europe was limited to advising a Ukrainian political party. That was sort of his, his official line. Uh, the documents and sort of sources that we've uh, been in touch with and we've reviewed in terms of the documents demonstrate that Manafort was, in fact, working throughout uh, a number of years, starting in around 2004 and continuing probably till around 2009. Uh, he was working on behalf of Oleg Deripaska, who was extremely close to Vladimir Putin, traveled regularly with him on business or on, on international trips. And oh, shit. And was sort of known as one of his key business lieutenants. That's like that's the same level of connection as Bill Clinton flying on that pedophile's uh, plane all the time. That's like that level of association now. Well, that's damn near concrete, isn't it? Starting in around 2004 and continuing probably till around 2009, uh, he was working on behalf of Oleg Deripaska, who was extremely close to Vladimir Putin, traveled regularly with him on business or on, on international trips, and was sort of known as one of his key business lieutenants. The White House has tried desperately to distance itself from Paul Manafort. I think they said he worked in a... So just for, uh, to, uh, before he goes any further, uh, this is interesting. It's interesting that so Paul Manafort had business ties with another man who spent a lot of time with Putin. Clinton was aboard Jeffrey Epstein's Boeing 727 on 11 occasions and has been reported and the flight logs show it's actually more than double than that. That's all that was reported by reporters. But when you look at the flight log, it looks like he maybe went on 22 flights with a known sex offender. It's a tricked-out jet, too. It's got a cool nickname called the uh, Tatinian or something, if I recall. I can't remember. Tatinia. Um, I, I guess if, if you're going with just association, Jeffrey Epstein would also be 
an association. You know what? Here, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, you can do your own Googling, of course, and uh, always look for people to debunk the stories, too, because lots of people flew with Epstein. Of course, he did spend 13 months in prison. He flew lots of celebrities and billionaires. But uh, it was often speculated that he was, uh, in the pro- he was in the business of procuring, mi- procuring, hiring, finding, I guess, procuring, procurement. <laughs> what do you call it when you're a sex trafficker? What do you call that? Do you call that procurement? I go out and I find product for my billionaire friends. I collect that product and I deliver them to that product or I deliver the product to them and my tricked out Boeing jet. He also had an orgy island, a 72-acre island called Little St. James in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, Virginia Roberts said that she was pimped out by Epstein when she was, I think, 15 years old. 22 flights on this man's private jet, Bill Clinton. So if we're using that level of association, that seems like maybe a story we should revisit. From Paul Manafort, I think they said he worked in a, for a limited time and in a limited capacity, which I, I think by any observation would be vastly understating his role. He, I remember during the convention, he, was, he went reporter to reporter and was introduced as Paul Manafort, the chairman of the campaign. It's not as if he was, as Sean Spicer put it, one of the hanger-ons. Uh, this is this is probably true. I, I don't think that uh, Sean Spicer would want to dwell on whether or not Paul Manafort was, at least for a period of time, a key member of Trump's campaign. Um, but the, uh, <coughs> the the response from the White House has been that this is old work um, and that, that it doesn't really uh, it is a decade old uh, relate to anything Trump campaign. And so I, I here's what gets me about this reporting is um, you can go you can actually find you can find uh, Democrat lobbyists too that worked for for these same types of billionaires. That's not an unusual thing. It's the ties to the Turkish government that I think should be further I, I don't know if invest that seems not probably investigated, maybe that's somebody else's determination, but at least better reported on. Try to uh, keep this relatively short. Sean Spicer's briefings are contentious. Hold on, but but no, no, you're asking, hold on. Confusing. I don't have a, a full read on that yet. But and as for his credibility, well, that's being questioned more every day. Oh, man. Oh, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do this. But again, uh, you're going to go after, if you're going to go after Sean Spicer for his his weasel words, you have to then go after every single press secretary ever. Donald Trump already yeah. up tweeting something that is causing us all to think a lot more about. <laughs> you know, you can if you if so, say Donald Trump tweets something crazy and then Sean Spicer has to come out and he has to use weasel words to get out of it because obviously he can't either. He can't speak to it. He doesn't have any idea or Trump's exaggerating. But every press secretary does this. I do. Uh... Keep this relatively short. Sean Spicer's briefings are Spicer. contentious. Hold on, but but no, no, you're asking. Hold on, confusing. I don't have a, a full read on that yet. But I'll... and as for his credibility, well, that's being questioned more every day. Today's example: trying to distance President Trump from his former campaign chairman Paul Manafort. Here's what the media doesn't want to tell you: Sean Spicer's getting damn good ratings. 
Spicy Sean is getting some serious ratings. As far as press briefings goes, they're getting great ratings. There's been discussion of, of Paul Manafort, who played a very limited role for a very limited amount of time. But beyond, Go Spice! But are you chairman? Hey, John, Jonathan, hold on. Can you, can you stop interrupting other people's questions? Okay, Jonathan, somebody's asking a question. It's not your press briefing. Julie's asking a question. Please calm down. Whoa! Boom! Limited amount of time, but beyond. But are you chairman? Hey, John, Jonathan, hold on. That's ABC's guy, by the way. That's that's ABC's main main uh, White House guy. Can you can you stop interrupting other people's questions? Okay, Jonathan, somebody's asking a question. It's not your press briefing. Julie's asking a question. Please calm down. Manafort's role was not limited. Hired in March 2016, he was promoted to chairman in May. He looks like a gangster, and I think that's one of the reasons why this plays so well. Manafort looks like a legit corrupt son of a bitch. Managing the campaign at a crucial time. When reporters pressed... He worked for the campaign for five months. He was the campaign chairman. He was there for a number of pivotal decisions. So I wonder how is that insignificant? Spicer got the facts wrong again. Paul was brought on sometime in June. Again, this press release says March. We're on the first chapter. Man, this is starting to sound like the Russian hacking timeline. Two months in, and the story of this presidency is about trust. Lack of trust. Oh, it is? I thought it was about populism. On day one, Spicer shocked the press corps with false statements about crowd size. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. (laughs) Not letting that one go. Both in person and around the globe <laughs> they don't they don't like to let stuff slide they're not gonna never forget never forget so uh cnn questioning spicer's credibility sean spicer his credibility he seems to be making up excuses for the white house what kind of press secretary is this outrageous now if only we could just say donald trump's credibility was also in decline wait what what there's a wall street journal report through the most consequential week of donald trump's young presidency one of his biggest campaign promises hanging in the balance right now is pledged to repeal and replace obamacare but at this crucial juncture crucial is the president playing roulette with his own credibility oh like russian roulette you notice how he didn't say russian roulette just roulette Roulette, guys, you know, because that's a common turn of phrase. Roulette, just roulette. Crucial juncture. Is the president playing roulette with his own credibility? Now, keep in mind, too, it's not like Wolf is just uh, doing what I do and just spitballing as he goes and improving. It's not like he's just making up all of these, all of this as he talks. He's reading a damn prompter. So some stupid writer in the back room thought, hey, you know, it's a good pun. Put fucking Russian roulette in there. No, man, you can't do that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. That's good. This is the best opportunity. I've been waiting to do this. No, man, you can't do that. I'm going to put it in there. All right, here's what you got to do. to get the, Wolf's not going to read it like that, man. You can't do that. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Why not? That's too on the nose. Wolf likes to be subtle. Oh, yeah? Just put roulette in there, dude. Just put the, the viewer will connect the dots. Just put roulette in there. It's fine, man. It's fine. We're not midway through the most consequential week of Donald Trump's young presidency. One of his biggest campaign promises hanging in the balance right now is pledged to repeal and replace Obamacare. But at this crucial juncture, is the president playing roulette with his own credibility? The Wall Street Journal editorial page believes he is. This morning, the paper published a very, very tough editorial. I don't know if Wolf Blitzer listen. He he is this morning 
The what? The, 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 uh, uh, what? Oh, geez. Oh, um, um, oh, yeah. Oh, this is about Trump. Yeah, yeah. The Wall Street Journal. They're 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 right winging. They're like that's like Murdoch and stuff. They all get. They said something. Very very tough editorial saying in part. Look at this. President <laughs> Trump announces that North Korea launched a missile that landed within 100 miles of Hawaii. Would most Americans believe him? Now that's an interesting question, actually. So the Wall Street Journal asks kind of a legit question. If he announced, if Donald Trump announced that North Korea had launched a missile that landed within 100 miles of Hawaii, would you believe him? If he tweeted it, would you believe it? I actually don't think I'd believe it even regardless. of I would not believe it until there was an, at least one other trustworthy source. It's not just the president. I wouldn't believe it if Spicer did it. I wouldn't even believe it if the Pentagon tweeted it. I would believe it if the Pentagon tweeted it and Trump tweeted it. Or I would believe it if the White House released a statement and the State Department released a statement or the Pentagon releases a statement. Then you believe it. But when only one source claims something, I don't know if I ever truly believe it. I'm inclined to say, okay, that's something worth looking into and I'm willing to listen. But just believing it on its face, I don't know if I actually would. So I kind of say it's a, it's a false question in a sense. Because if you just believe everything the man tweets, then you're probably not critically thinking about it. Would most Americans believe him? We're not sure. Which speaks to the damage that Mr. Trump is doing to his presidency with this seemingly endless stream of exaggerations, evidence-free accusations, implausible denials, and other falsehoods. Now, this is an editorial on the Wall Street Journal, so that's adorable that they're you know pulling from the editorial because they often on their own sites. Oh, that was just in the editorial section. I don't know why you're taking that seriously. CNN has had that defense before, so that's sort of cute and adorable. But I was just I wouldn't trust it if if Hillary Clinton tweeted it. I wouldn't trust it if I absolutely wouldn't trust it if Wolf Blitzer tweeted it. Wolf, that could be about Wolf Blitzer, and I would say no. So I actually think this is sort of a false premise, but. Nonetheless, Wall Street Journal. The editorial singled out the president's unsubstantiated claim that President Obama had uh, Trump Tower in New York City wiretap. Which was actually substantiated today, which makes all of this even more adorable. During the election, a claim the FBI director, the National Security Agency director, the Republican leadership in the House and <laughs> Senate, uh, the Com Intelligence Committee members, they have all publicly rejected that uh, in the past few days. Man, any chance he gets, right? They just can't stand Trump. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? I understand. It's a foreign body. You got to get it out of there. It's for your own health. You know what Donald Trump needs to do? He needs to start tweeting... From an alias. He used to do that. He used to talk to reporters from an alias. Tillerson also used to do that. It's a practice. Maybe they should try it out. Rex Tillerson is now known around the world as U.S. Secretary of State. Before that, it was CEO Rex Tillerson of ExxonMobil. And to a select few, he was Wayne Tracker. Man, Wayne Tracker. That sounds like somebody right out of a Western. Hoo-ah! Wayne Tracker here. Now, it's actually, it's not, see, uh, I forget, chat room, could you remind me, what was Donald Trump's uh, alias back in the uh, early 90s and the 80s? He went by an alias that was pretty, pretty great. Wayne Tracker, sounds cool, sounds good for somebody named, but you know what? That's not cooler than Rex. So I thought, why, why would Rex Tillerson go with Wayne Tracker? Well, I don't know where the Tracker name comes from, but I do know where 
the Wayne part comes from. Wayne Tracker, a separate email identity. It turns out he used within ExxonMobil. Wayne is his middle name. Oh, there it is. So Wayne's his middle name. So, okay, Wayne Tracker. So he makes up the Tracker part, uses his middle name. That's cute. Not as good as Trump's alias, though. The company says to communicate better with certain executives because his main email address was generally so full. Nothing wrong with that normally, but the New York Attorney General's office has a big problem with it. In its investigation into whether ExxonMobil misled consumers and investors about climate change and its potential effects, the attorney general, in a letter to a New York State Supreme Court judge, says ExxonMobil has continuously delayed and obstructed the production of documents from its top executives and that no one at the company ever told investigators Tillerson also used the Wayne Tracker address to Ah. communicate about climate change and other important topics, saying it appears ExxonMobil did not collect all of those emails may not have even preserved them. It's also raised questions among environmental groups. So John Miller looks like thanks to hypocrisy in the chat room and also uh, John Barron. Now, why I like those is they're so they're so obviously fake. John Miller, really? I mean, like you could Wayne Tracker, right? Wayne Tracker. But what I like about Trump's is that it's so absurd on its face that it just doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all, like his hair. So it's one of those things where you can tell it's a fake it's a fake name. And of course if you heard him it's some of the recordings where he claims to be that person, it's obviously Donald Trump. He changes a little bit. Um this is and I'm not saying this to make fun of Trump. What Trump did I, I mean, he played the game. He needed to build buzz about him and his companies to get financing back in the day, and he played the game. He played the press. He played the stupid, lazy press. Just like he does now. Hmm. Speaking of the stupid lazy press. Watch as they completely freak out and overblow something that Trump said. This is the problem. Now, I don't want to get into the what's the definition of is and they and all of that. And I hate to defend Trump for using quotes around wiretapping. But I I do kind of think he used wiretapping in the Americanese, middle class, average American sense. Wiretapping to the average American doesn't mean like a vampire tap on a, on a copper line. That's not what wiretapping means to the average American. So I don't want to defend Trump's uh, tweet because he used quotations. But it is an example of where they take something that Trump says, like wiretapping, and they take it very literally to the extreme. They literalize it to the extreme. And this has happened again recently because he uses the word hack when he meant to use the word leak. Because in his mind, they took the documents off a computer system and they were distributed via a computer system. It's a hack. But it's not a hack. It's a leak. But instead of saying, oh, he probably meant a leak, the media just completely loses the shit and says that he's just exposed CIA secrets live on television. This is a great example of how they either intentionally choose not to parse his words properly or because of the reality that they live in. Because of the perceptive bias that they have, because the pattern matching machines that we as humans are, where we we so you should if you if you should look into this, it's a fascinating thing about how humans process information, how the brain processes information. By the time it gets to your consciousness, it's actually already gone through several layers of bias. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it works. You got to bring in all this different stuff. It's 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 for your survival. And so some of these people, maybe in the press, they just when it comes through their filters, that what they hear. Is Donald Trump just exposed a CIA secret? But to me, what I hear is a 70-year-old man who says hacking when he really means theft of digital data and distribution. That's what he means. 
But of course, he's not going to say that. He's using Americanese. You're in charge of the agencies. Every intelligence agency reports to you. Why not immediately go to them and gather evidence to support that? Because I don't want to do anything that's going to violate any strength of an agency. You know, we have enough problems. And by the way, with the CIA, I just want people to know, the CIA was hacked and a lot of things taken. That was during the Obama years. That was not during us. That was during the Obama situation. My now, it's also possible that it was some kind of hack and that it just has that has not been disclosed to the public yet, but it has been disclosed to the president. I acknowledge that as a possibility, but I don't feel like there's any any consideration in what's about to occur in the rest of this clip. There's no consideration given that he just misspoke. Mike Pompeo is there now doing a fantastic job, but uh, we will be submitting certain things and I will be perhaps speaking about this next week. All right, so that was last night. Well, you also just heard there in that interview, the president mentioned that the CIA was hacked. Well, moments ago, the top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee released a statement and raised the question, did the president, did President Trump, if this is proven true, reveal classified information? Who would that be? Who would that top, top Democrat be? Who could it be? During that interview. Let's get over to CNN senior congressional reporter Monty Raju with much more on this. Schiff, Adam Schiff just Oh, out- Adam Schiff, there it is. Oh, Adam Schiff, what a surprise. Adam Schiff is the one making a huge deal and not parsing words properly. Strange, weird, crazy, didn't say, oh my statement, God. Manu, what, what is he getting at? Well, he thinks that he may have actually revealed classified information if this is true. Now, I remember... Uh, That's a great picture of Adam Schiff. That's, that should always be the picture they use for Adam Schiff. His stupid bug eyes, that dumb expression on his face, and his shirt and jacket don't even fit the man. That's the picture they should always use. He's just a picture-perfect Democrat lackey. He's a Clinton lackey. He drives me so crazy. He's got to be a. He, I, I, he's got to drive me more crazy than Lindsey Graham now. It just drives me nuts. And of course, he is the first person to step up. He's the first guy to say, "Well, did he just reveal something? Let's do an investigation." President Trump said this last night. I just want people to know the CIA was hacked and a lot of things taken. That was during the Obama years. Now, Schiff is saying that in his effort to blame President Obama, President Trump may have revealed classified information that the CIA was hacked. Now, Schiff is careful in his statement about saying whether or not the CIA was actually hacked. (sighs) Okay, you see what I'm saying? First of all, if he did reveal information, then make a big deal about it at that time. But ahead of time. It just looks like Adam Schiff is constantly trying to take advantage of Donald Trump every time it gets. And it's, it's, it becomes obvious because Schiff is not very well articulated when he speaks about these things. So he can't cover up the fact that he has such a bias. He, <laughs> it's the worst. I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I got, a, I, got a bad, I got a bad clip I've been waiting to play for you. I don't really know if I should, but uh, I, I, I want you to hear this part because now this is CNN's really at its best. What was your reaction when you see the British government calling something the White House says, said from the White House briefing room, ridiculous and should be ignored? Well, Kate, it was ridiculous. GCHQ is the National Security Agency of Britain. It operates under very, very strict guidelines, strict laws. Uh, And for GCHQ to make a press statement like this, I've never heard of it. It's unprecedented. That's because they didn't deny it. They just said it's ridiculous and it's shameful. That's... That is 
I guess, a denial of a type. That's like a, the, the kind of denial that my kid would make when he or she has done something wrong. Um, but I, I will get, I will grant you they made, a, they made a very odd statement. I've never heard of it. It's unprecedented. They are furious. Uh, the accusation that Sean Spicer made is Britain got involved in our politics, which for the British is a red line. And, and I'd like to add that if this White House continues to play with national security like this for political partisan purposes, and, and frankly... Frankly, here comes guys. Yeah. Everybody knows is yeah. a lie. This is going to hurt our security. And Sean Spicer uh, is going to get people killed because oh! GCHQ will stop cooperating. Holy shit. Whoa. Oh, my gosh, guys. He's going to get people killed. And, of course, it all the, the, the logic is ironclad, so it must be true. It must be true. Let's walk, I'll walk through it one more time because it's so ironclad. Which for the British is a red line. And, and I'd like to add that if this White House continues to play with national security like this for political partisan purposes, and, and frankly, bat around lies that everybody knows is a lie, this is going to hurt our security. And- so here's the thing, guys. Everybody knows that it's a lie. And so we all know it's a lie. So it's going to hurt us, and we're going to take dramatic actions like stop cooperating because we know it's a lie. If we know it's a lie, if everybody knows it's a lie, then it kind of seems like this whole thing would blow over because they're our strongest ally. I don't really follow it. I thought he had ironclad logic here, but when I hear it again, it sounds like it sounds like Trump says something crazy. Everybody knows it's crazy. So nothing would change. Nothing changes. I don't see how anybody dies because of that. Continues to play with national security like this for political partisan purposes. And, and frankly, because presidents never play with national security or start wars or start new departments to uh, screen passengers. They never do anything for partisan purposes. Bat around lies that everybody knows is a lie. This is something we all know is false. It's going to hurt our security. And so something we all know is false lies. We all know it's false. So if we all know it's false, we're not going to actually act on it because we know it's false. But because we know it's false and we're not going to act on it, we're going to get hurt. Wait a minute. If we all know it's false, we're going to act on it, so then we're going to get hurt? Wait a minute. Continues to play with national security like this for uh-huh. political partisan purposes. Yeah. And, and frankly, bat around lies that everybody knows is a lie. This is going to hurt our security. And Sean Spicer uh, is going to get people killed because uh-huh. GCHQ will stop cooperating eventually. Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. Problem solved right there. Uh, it's just all, it's all going to, we're all going to die. Problem solved. Problem solved. So I thought we should have a little coverage before we go about uh, Gorsh's, Gorsh's hearing. And there was a couple of funny moments, actually, which these don't normally happen in these hearings. But when somebody's really going to skate through and they all know the person's going to skate through, they kind of go like this. No one remembers who John Hancock was. But they know that that's a signature. Because he wrote his name so bigly, big and bold. What, 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 what? You just said big lately. I- <laughs> Call them out. And and I just won five bucks. Uh (laughs) You embarrassed me in front of my nephew and he loves it. (laughs) He's the one paying me the five bucks. 
All right, that was pretty good, right? That's, uh, that sounds fun. That sounds fun. Although they did ask him a couple of stumpers, like this one. And uh, just like uh, Ben's family, my family's been texting me throughout this process. So uh, excited. Asking me to ask questions that they would ask. I ask a few of them, uh, you know, for suggestions. And my son, Dallin, a teenager, said, ask him if he would rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. (laughs) (laughs) I'd never heard it either. Apparently it was a question on Reddit a while ago. ago. (laughs) Oh, my God, you guys. But uh, but, that's where it's going from here, I think. You can can tell him I'm very rarely at a loss for words. Okay, all right. But you got me. I will tell him a teenager stumped you there. All right, thank you so much for doing this week's episode of Unfilter. I hope you enjoyed this shenanigans. If you did, if you got some thought-provoking moments out of it, if you got some value out of it, if you just got some entertainment out of it, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you for being here. See you next week. <laughs>